You're tuned into Radio 1190, KBCU Boulder. It's Friday Night Live, the UMC from the campus of the University of Colorado. I'm your host, Joe Paris, here with you on the first Friday night of the year. And I am joined by my esteemed colleague and peer, Andrew Hobner. Uh, Andrew, welcome back to the program. It's going to be an absolutely brilliant hour here on Radio 1190. This is going to be a fun one, Joe. I am really excited to be here, and uh, I know you are too. The year is back in full effect. Football's a few days away. The facilities are almost done. CU Sports Mag took a tour of them this past week. You can and find that video online. Yep, you can find it online on uh, on the YouTube page. Um, it is the CU Space I YouTube page. Look up CU Facilities Interview and Tour. We interview Athletic Director Rick George, and we will do, be doing the same tonight at 645. The facilities, though, Joe, amazing. The equipment storage, the terraces, the views, the locker rooms, the weight room, everything. It's absolutely unbelievable money well spent. And I, you got to see it. You really do. It's, it's, uh, I mean, it's special. If you're wondering what's going on over uh, down on Folsom, there's a lot going on. And I, I've actually <laughs> been told that in the new facility, it will be big enough to fit an airplane inside of it. Yeah, the, uh, internet, uh, the new indoor practice facility, the IPF. Um, two cool facts about that. One, you could fit a 747 in it. And two, the track surface was actually picked by track coach Mark Wetmore. And that particular surface is so high level that it is one of only two of its kind in the continental United States. So that's going to be another cool part. There's a lot of really, really interesting things about this particular facility that make it unlike anything else in the country. It is going to be a great hour, Andrew. We've got guests with us, two of them tonight, who will be joining us. Who's, who do we got with us tonight? All right, well, so um, let's, let's, run, uh, let's run you all through what exactly we're going to be talking about first. Um, so earlier in June, the Pac-12 conference opted to approve the creation of a new sales arm for multimedia rights. And uh, for those of you that want a primer on it, uh, just go to uh, our Twitter, at CU Sports Mag, and go down a bit. The San Jose Mercury News did a really fantastic primer on basically all of this. Multimedia rights, uh, as it stands, are based Basically, the rights for signage in stadiums, arenas, sponsorships for corporate, radio broadcasts, digital content, and it all goes school to school. And the schools don't directly uh, control this. They are the ones, they go and sign deals with places like Learfield Sports, IMG College, and they are the people that they outsource to go ahead and get the money for these deals. And the Pac-12 turned around after creating the autonomous Pac-12 networks and figured that this was the next step in creating a totally autonomous uh, rights venture in which schools could actually collect the money that would otherwise go to third parties. So tonight we're going to be talking to Eric Hardenberg, who is the Pac-12 spokesman. He'll be talking about it from the conference side, and we'll also be talking to CU Athletic Director Rich Rick George at 645, giving his perspective on how CU will look at this particular venture going forward, and maybe we might even get a few of your questions. Uh, some of you all buffs guys out there, we might get one or two of your questions up on the air as well for Mr. George to answer. We are accepting emails, of course, as we are during every show. Please email me in at joejoe at radio1190.org, or you can find me on Twitter at Joe Parrish. You can find Andrew at a underscore g underscore Hobner. We will be uh, we will be keeping our, our finger on the pulse of the social media feeds throughout the broadcast. So if you have something that you want to ask Rick George later on in the program, please uh, please give us a shout. But Andrew604, we've got a little bit of time uh, before we have our guests joining us and let's just talk about I mean the first week of school uh, we made it we made it to senior year Andrew we did it we finally we're here I don't know 
don't know if we thought we'd really be here the first Friday night in one piece, but here we are. Yeah, I, I certainly, uh, I certainly didn't think uh, we would be here. Um, it's really amazing in four years just to kind of give an introspective on where athletics has gone in just this period. We went from coming into uh, the Embry administration and Mike Bon is an AD um, to Rick George, a new set of facilities, being a part of the Pac-12 conference, having head coach Mike McIntyre, Tad Boyle, pretty much every single sport currently at the university on the rise. Volleyball returns everyone, sons Taylor Simpson. Soccer returns uh, all of, most of their players. Their leading scorer, Bree Hooks, is back. Cross country is looking for a three-peat. Uh, it's just this is a good time to be a CU sports fan. And as this Pac- and as the Pac-12 kind of gains the traction that it continually has um it is just going to go nowhere from up from here so it's really been an amazing journey in these past four years and it should be fun um now i gotta ask you joe before we even start i want to hear your first impressions on this deal because when you and i were talking about this earlier you weren't all that sure that this was going to be something that the Pac-12 would really reap the benefits of going forward. Well, I was just confused why the Pac-12 would want to make it more difficult for themselves to have this extra sales arm uh, within their own systems because there's outside companies that are trained to do this. And obviously it's a money thing, and we can talk to uh, we can talk to Eric about it here in a few minutes. But to me, it just didn't seem like it was worth the hassle, and I didn't think they would make so much more money to have have internally uh, this extra sales arm and you've seen around the country that college football is obviously if not the one of the biggest uh, money making sports outside of professionals ever (laughs) and it's like I get it. You want to make more money, but it's been done so well by third-party companies around the country. If it's you know not broken, why do you why do you want to try and fix it? You know, and it could be a little bit of a naive of a question. I, it's a money, it's a dollars and cents thing here, and I'm sure we're going to be able to pick Eric's brain at length about that. But I'm just not sold that this was a great idea. You know, you and I talked about it in the summer, and you sent me some articles, and you know, it was kind of without fanfare that all of this was going on. And to me, it's like. Don't we have other things we should be worrying about internally? Yeah, well, I think I think a lot of the uh, a lot of the attention now um, has been made about AT and T merging with Directv, and I think as it pertains to the Pac-12, that's been the big thing. Is AT and T is a corporate sponsor of the Pac-12? They have a phenomenal relationship with each other, and so people are starting to think, hey, maybe Directv, this deal might finally happen because AT and T is also involved in this in a way, and it seems like there is some optimism. Uh, um, Commissioner Scott was pretty uh, optimistic about it when he was talking at Media Day. Obviously, he wouldn't divulge too many details, but I think this is an interesting move for the Pac-12 because not only does it line up with this uh, mentality and ideology of doing everything in-house and cutting out the middleman, it kind of takes advantage almost of what can become a very lucrative business down the road. Now, you were right. There, there's downsides to this. There's reduced leverage. Uh, there's a lot less margin for error here. Um, and obviously, we've seen that the Pac-12 network hasn't really been the moneymaker and revenue driver that people thought it was going to be at the start. So... I don't know. The jury is really out. I think that as opposed to rushing into it like they did with the Pac-12 network, I think that it's going to be uh I think it's going to be good. They just need to temper their ambition and understand that this is going to this is going to roll. So, I'm excited for I'm it. I'm just hoping that my AT&T cell phone service is a little bit better because <laughs> I'm the only one that works here 
that has AT&T, and I'm also coincidentally, oh, okay, Jared does too. I, I'm also <laughs> the only one that doesn't get reception in the Radio 1190 studio. <laughs> Well, I mean, I I have Verizon. I don't get any reception down here at all. You don't either? Oh, no, no, no. Oh, okay. Well, half the crew. I I don't know. Someone even had T-Mobile. Uh, part People of the still re- use T-Mobile. I That's guess. I think it was. It might have been Caden. I don't know. Someone. Someone. They were talking <laughs> about how they used to have a sidekick and how they. Oh, wow. That's... They, they had, you know they wanted T-Mobile. You know, have a sidekick. You know what's really sad? I was talking to a kid who's a freshman. And he was like, "Yeah, my first phone was an iPhone." And what? I thought to myself, "Oh my god, I'm like." I'm feeling old right now. Uh, my first phone was like a was like a, a old flip Verizon uh, that didn't even have a color screen. It was like green, and you could play the little game where you're shooting helicopters. Yeah. And it's like 64 bit. I miss those phones. Those are those are great phones. I'm like I'm too addicted to my phone and technology now. It really is a killer. But well, it's 6:09, and full disclosure here: the Radio 1190 Studios right now is having some awesome upgrades, and part of that is we're getting a new T1 line in. And during that time, our uh, phone line is out of commission, so we're using our creative brains during our pro wrestling show. We thought, why don't we try to bring in guests via FaceTime audio? So what we're going to do now is we're going to call Eric Hardenberg, who is the vice president of uh, public affairs for the Pac-12. We're just going to call him on live air through FaceTime audio, and hopefully he. Answer. So, all right. <laughs> this is kind of. I feel like I'm on like a like a like a morning zoo show. We're just gonna we're gonna prank phone call someone, but this isn't a prank. We're calling. I hope it's not a prank. It's not. We're gonna. I'm gonna click the button. We're gonna call Eric Hardenberg, who is the vice president of public affairs for the Pac-12. So, um, here we go. Are you ready? I, I think be- we're ready. I, I can't believe FaceTime audio actually works in here. Yeah, it does. Well, because that's the only way we can do this here. So, all right. So, I think Ooh, we're here. Right, sir. Mr. Eric Hardenberg, are you with us? I am. How are you? I'm good, Eric. This is Joe and Andrew from Radio 1190. You're live on the air right now. Thank you for spending some time. Of course, Mr. Hardenberg is the Vice President of Public Affairs for the Pac-12 Network, and he is live via FaceTime audio. We did it. I I don't know, uh, Mr. Hardenberg, (laughs) I don't know if Andrew explained, but we're having some renovations at the station, and our phone line went down, so we had to get creative. So we uh, we appreciate you uh, playing along. Yeah, no, glad it worked. How's everything in Boulder? You know, it's uh, beautiful weather today. I think as, the, as usual, as, as usual. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, first week of classes is always exciting. Uh, we just had a a dynamite live set in the Radio Eleven Ninety Studio. So thanks for everyone for tuning into that. But uh, wow, I can't believe we're here. It's college football season, Andrew. I mean, this is this is bizarre. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty amazing. And as far as as things are in Conference HQ, Eric, how how is the uh, what's the general idea mentality uh, going on over there? Are people. Busy? Busy getting set for football season to start? Absolutely, yeah. And, you know, some of our fall sports have already started, but the the start of football is always an exciting time. Next week, as we look forward to the first kickoff, it's uh, everything is a buzz, and everybody's getting ready and excited about all the teams and, you know, just excited about the – the current state of Pac-12 football. I think we're coming off, you know, I think it's safe to say we've never really been this good as a conference. We had uh, such success last year, of course, with Oregon reaching the final of the college football playoff. But also, you know, we had eight bowl teams. We were 6-2 and in the bowl season. And top to bottom, um, you know, we had really strong teams and competitive games. And, and I think uh, so looking forward to this season, everybody's really on a high and really excited. So we think it's going to continue this year. It should be exciting. Uh, I know all of us in Boulder are really excited for football season, but we'll just jump into the uh, line of questioning about the new the line of questioning. He's on trial here. <laughs> 
Uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> the, uh, the multimedia sales arm. So, um, you know, this approval, which came by in the spring, uh, it seemed to be a pretty shrewd and prudent move. Uh, Arizona State terminated their contract with IMG College, stating that, uh, you know, it was mishandled on their end, so Arizona State wanted to do it in-house. So you leave this option open to outsource uh, the rights to third-party companies on the table, which U- UCLA actually has just done. But has the conference inadvertently created pressure on some universities? to join this new venture that the Pac-12 has? Yeah, I don't, I, I don't look at it as pressure. I, I really look at it as we've provided another option for our universities and the athletic departments to manage their multimedia rights uh, either by themselves or in conjunction with the conference. And, you know, what we've found is traditionally, you know, third parties have been used, but the schools have wanted more control and more and to keep more of the revenue that that is generated from the, the multimedia rights. So this was really an effort to provide another option to the schools uh, to do it other than the third party, but to do it with the conference instead. And that's a pretty cool, you know, thing to allow the schools to do. And over the next eight to nine years, every school in the Pac-12 will have their contract for renewal, starting with California and Stanford in the 2016-2017 year to uh, the Washington schools in 2024-2025. Was the creation of the sales arm approved with the idea that the conference would be able to capitalize on expiring deals and to try to get every school involved in the company? Yeah, I mean, I think the the presidents and and the chancellors of the conference decided it was a good model to make it an opt-in situation because every school is unique and has different needs and kind of desires with how they manage their multimedia rights. So the the idea was to create this entity and then allow schools as they – as they, you know, fulfill their current agreements with third parties, uh, decide whether they want to join this entity or, you know, go go once again with a different third party or, or do it themselves. So I think, you know, the the goal was, uh, you know, we didn't have a specific mind. We'd obviously think it's advantageous for every one of our schools to do it, but at the same time, um, if they decided they wanted to do it with a third party, that's great. I think we're expecting, you know, for a lot of our schools to take advantage of this and be part of this entity as their uh, current contracts expire. Now, when you look at uh, schools in the Pac-12, there's kind of a, a, a bit of a differentiation in market sizes. You have the L.A. schools, you have Boulder-Denver area, but then you have schools like Washington State out in uh, Spokane and or Pullman, and then you have places like Oregon State and Corvallis. So my question is, if you guys want everyone to be involved in this venture, um, what kind of leverage do you have over a third party so a smaller market team that might not be able to capitalize the way a team like UCLA or USC would in-house? What, what's your pitch to them to say we can do it better than a place like IMG College or Learfield could? Well, I think, I mean, what, what you see by these these multimedia rights businesses is is they are they do generate quite a bit of revenue. Um, and to date, um, you know, as, as we've understood it and worked with the schools, quite a bit of that revenue is going to the third party. Um, and, and you can see that just the profit that they're making. And so the goal really is to change that profit structure to conti- to contain that profit back on campus. So regardless of the size of the school, regardless of the market, 
there is that profit and it should stay with the school. And working with us, we are not a typical third party that takes a, takes a profit. That's not our motive here. Our motive is to help the schools be more efficient and have keep more of the revenue themselves and work together on it. So, the, the, you know, the overall goal, regardless of, of, of size, is to provide that option and to, and to allow them to keep more of the revenue rather than the third parties getting it. And we all love to watch football every Saturday, and it's a game. But at the same time, of course, it's a business, I mean, even more so. And every conference is out to maximize profits. And while the Pac-12 uh, won't have their 990s out for the uh, 2015 fiscal year until next May, we can only assume that they did about as well as the SEC if past numbers are any indication. So do you think that having uh, conference-controlled multimedia rights will propel you above the other conferences in terms of revenue in a noticeable way? And if not immediately, uh, how long do you think it would take? take to catch up yeah well i mean i think i think the way we look at revenue is you know as as a conference all the revenue we make through you know tv rights deals and everything like that flows to the universities um you know on on an equal basis we we have equal revenue share so i mean the the what we view it as is are we distributing as much money as the other conferences so that our schools are uh competitive now what we distribute is is a big piece of the pie obviously from the conference but it's also what each school makes and retains on their own on each campus so you know the multimedia rights is really about helping the schools and working with the schools to enhance the amount of money they make on on their campus as opposed to what we distribute as a conference so I mean, yeah, I I, I do agree, and honestly, I, me and Joe were talking about it before this started, and I, I really love the idea personally. I think that it's it's a really good way that the conference or the conferences and the teams get more control uh, of their rights. And you know, the Pac-12 network was kind of the first real benchmark of this autonomous attitude that the conference had. But while it was celebrated as at its inception as this sort of landmark decision to have a conference on their TV network, uh, the numbers haven't really translated in that way. The Big Ten. Uh, they have a 51-49 split with Fox Sports. ESPN uh, basically has all ownership of the SEC network, and they split conference, uh, split profits. Um, so do you think that this idea of creating an autonomous um, network for the Pac-12 was, was a bit premature since there are some distribution issues, there have been some revenue losses, and do you think that schools will take a look at what has happened with the network and kind of apply that perception to this sales arm? Yeah, uh, to the sales arm. That's an that's an interesting question. I mean, I think from from a network's perspective, we are we do have a different model than, as you mentioned, the Big Ten or the SEC network. But we do feel really um, comfortable with the model, especially in kind of the dynamic landscape in the media industry right now. I mean, our focus has always been doing, you know, building something for our schools and making the smartest decisions to be successful in the long run. And we really think actually the full ownership and the full control that our schools have over Pac-12 networks is a really good thing. Now, distribution is an issue, but if we get full distribution, when we get full distribution, we're confident that the ownership model is actually going to be more advantageous for our schools. There's going to be more upside, uh, you know, creating sustainable revenue over the long term. And, may, and and most importantly, maintaining control because you don't know what's going to happen in the media landscape, you know, in the next 10 years. Th- things are changing so quickly. But the ability to own what we have is really important. And, and I think that idea of ownership is the same 
same is the same idea with this MMR business and this entity. It's it's our schools really wanting more more ownership and more control of their assets, and you know making sure they get all the upside as they you know they they get better, their brands get stronger, um, they they get more successful. That they 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 get the upside from a revenue standpoint as opposed to a third party. So I think you know the the idea and the mindset is probably very similar. You bring up a good point as but it's all around control and kind of being the masters of our own destiny so as far as cu stands here um has there been a dialogue with uh athletic director rick george uh or anybody in the university about the possibility of exploring this when cu's deal with learfield goes up or is it just kind of a wait and see approach from you guys at the conference um regarding how you sort of deal with these schools and what uh how you guys kind of talk to each other and keep each other abreast of news yeah, I mean, as a conference, we've outlined the we've outlined the entity for all our members, um, but each member is really, um, I think, doing the right thing. They're they're going about their due diligence and understanding what the marketplace is for them. And each and you know the way this is modeled developed is each school, CU, all the others will look and see what's the best option for them. Um, I think you know what what this does provide, and, and I mentioned from the top is really just another option. And I think when when they look at the current options just in order to have a new entrant into the into the into the possibilities to manage their their multimedia rights is a beneficial thing for them and you know if the overall goal is to make sure our schools make more money and the next round of their multimedia rights having another option uh certainly can't help hurt some of the biggest money-making schools in the conference such as in oregon or ucla do stand to lose some money if they were to join this rights arm and not see a noticeable uptick in profits so what is the best and worst case scenario for this new venture what what can you offer these schools that third-party companies can't well, I, I would um, I, I would contest to kind of your assertion that they stand to lose money. I mean, they, they actually in this new model would make quite a bit more money. Um, you know, if 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 everything were to go as we plan it to go, um, so I wouldn't say that they they stand to lose money. Um, it's obviously a change, but we've you know developed the model with this entity that they would not be taking a step backward. They would actually be st- taking a step forward. So when uh, to that end, though, when you look at UCLA just re-upping with, with IMG, their rights deal tripled in value. And right. so my, my question to you is, um, do you have a, is there a fear within the conference that this is going to become a Trojan horse of sorts where schools will almost use the rights model to get more money? Because it seems pretty evident that IMG threw this amount of money because the option of handling everything in-house was on the table right i mean i I think like i said the the overall objective we have is for our schools to make more money so if if adding a new option and adding a new um you know option for them to choose on multimedia rights was able was part of the driving force for them to make so much more money i think that's a that's a win that's a that's a great thing for us because our schools uh benefit from that i do think you know each market is unique um ucla at the time that they were up and the market of los angeles is different than some of the other markets in our in our conference um and each school is unique in how they want to handle their their multimedia rights so i think you know they went through the process and um certainly were 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 uh, fully evaluated all different options before they went went uh, along with IMG re up, but I think you know in the end 
um, them being so successful is a great thing for the conference. It's great for UCLA, and I think eventually it'll be a good thing for uh, the multimedia rights business as well. So uh, when we head into the college football playoff, uh, hopefully there will be one Pac-12 team, uh, team in there the same way that Oregon was in there this past year. Um, does that really have any effect, having successful teams uh, on this rights model that you can almost um, have more of a depth of knowledge to be able to um, get particular teams that have been in these areas maybe more money or, or get them um, find more leverage so when those deals go up you can kind of say well while you guys were in the college football playoff you know we thought of x y and z ways that we could make you guys more profits yeah i mean i think success as a conference helps across the board i mean we've we've had a real sea change of uh you know like we talked about from the beginning in in football and and the brand of, of Pac-12 football has, has really gotten so much better over the last few years, and that's going to benefit everything, all aspects of attendance and attention. And obviously, our media rights deal has changed in the last few years, and that's been a uh, that's been a really boon for the conference as far as exposure, national exposure. So, any success that we have on a national stage, and you know the the competitiveness and all the bowl wins and the depth of our conference, and people talking about the Pac-12 being the strongest conference in the country, it's going to benefit. Um, everything that we do and all aspects of it, including the multimedia rights business. You're tuned into Radio 1190 KVCU Boulder. It's Friday Night Live with Joe Paris and Andrew Hobner. Our guest, Eric Hardenberg, the Vice President of Public Affairs. Uh, we'll be having Rick George joining us at 645. Uh, a curious, treat, uh, queer, curious tweet we saw this week <laughs> from Ashley Adamson, and I'm just going to read it. Uh, you know, I'm sure you've seen it, Eric, but I'll read it out loud to our viewers at home. And Ashley Adamson, she says in this tweet, I'm as hopeful as all of you that the DirecTV Pac-12 network deal gets done. We've been told discussions are very fruitful and management is optimistic. Is that the uh, is that the mentality in the offices at the Pac-12? That's, uh, that's uh, <laughs> sorry to put I'm you sure on the that, spot there. <laughs> no, no problem at all. I'm sure that's that is the mentality. Um, you know, I, I think we, uh, Commissioner Scott, talked about recently at, at Media Day. We, you know, we were very pleased with the acquisition of Directv by AT and T. AT and T is a great partner of us. They're, you know, they carry the network on UVerse. They're our, our telecommunications partner for a conference. They work directly with all twelve of our schools so you know they're they're i think it's safe to say they're our, one of our strongest partners and we think you know in the in the year ahead we're going to strengthen that partnership even more so it's 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 nice that they're on the other side of the table uh, but it is a complex deal um and the and the acquisition was about a 49 billion dollar acquisition so as you can imagine at&t has a lot of priorities coming out of that but uh we uh, we're happy to be uh you know in discussions with them now for our listeners at home i guess i should to mention Ashley Adamson, she works at the Pac-12 Networks, and she's a Colorado native, so that that's the tie-in there. Yeah, <laughs> I, 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 it wasn't just a random tweet. <laughs> just just to follow up uh, uh, to that point. AT&T, you said, has a pretty good relationship uh, with the Pac-12, and, and hopefully a deal can get done here. What will this do if if DirecTV um, and AT&T end up being able to distribute the Pac-12 network and you guys agree on a deal that both sides think is beneficial? What will this do for not only the network but also for the prospective right of this deal, um, and the multimedia sales arm, and the conference as a whole? Well, I mean, as as a conference, we started Pac-12 Networks for uh, you know 
the broadest distribution around around the country. We obviously want all our sports, and we do 850 live events on Pac-12 Network. So you got you not only have CU football, you have all kinds of CU uh, sporting events and the teams from men's and women's sports, the Olympic sports. So it's really a great way to showcase the excellence of the conference. And and you know just having Directv and the national exposure, we have four of the five largest, seven out of the largest, seven out of the ten largest distributors currently that carry Pac-12 networks around the country but we you know we won't be satisfied until we get all all full distribution and DirecTV is a big big one for us so it's obviously something that our fans care about we care about it's been frustrating for our fans uh, and it's been frustrating for us so we're working hard on that deal Eric we'll let you go here in a second I did I, we couldn't have a, a conversation with you without at least touching on a little bit of football and I'm putting you on the spot here do you have a favorite uh, for the Pac-12 champion this year or uh do you want to stay away? I'm sure that comes up in the office every day. It's got to, right? We all have 12 children in this office. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was going to say, who, who, who's the favorite child in the office? I know you guys are in San yeah, Francisco, no, aren't we, you? We like them all. We like them all the same. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I, it's, it is the type of thing where we're, we're fortunate to be able to, you know, travel around. I was I was in CU last fall, you know, try to make it to almost every campus every year um, with the commissioner, and it's it's you know it's great to see all our games. And I think you know it's it's so hard to think about predictions, and you read everything. We all read we all read the great predictions, and it's fun to start the season with with uh, everybody really thrilled about their teams. And we just finished you know a lot of Pac-12 Networks training camp shows. I don't know if you've been watching that. Mm-hmm. Oh, you sure uh, have. But it's been great. I mean, it's it's just been great to see. see the teams getting ready and getting excited for the season so we uh we join every fan base getting excited about this year and 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 we don't pick favorites around here we just pick uh you know we want to have good games and uh successful season that's what we want we just want good games i think the years i just want to be better than the sec personally that's fine yeah i'm on team (laughs) pac 12 i'm just glad that i think we're past the years where colorado's going to lose game 70 to 3 so eric thank you so much for uh spending some time with us we'll let you go uh again joining us was eric hardenberg the vice president of public affairs on the pac-12 network uh eric thanks for joining us and uh, enjoy your weekend absolutely happy to do it thanks guys thanks yep. eric thanks look at that that was about as crisp as audio first of all that you could ever do second Pretty, yeah it was impressive when really appreciate audio. he's a busy guy really appreciate him spending some time to hang out with us again eric hardenberg uh the vice president of public affairs for the pac-12 uh Andrew, your your reaction to that? I think what he said was pretty insightful, and I'm really happy that you know he really delved into it with us into the details. I agree, and and we got to really thank Eric for for joining us. Uh, the conference is always busy, always trying to find new and inventive ways to basically push the entire product, and that's 12 schools of product, and you know there's what 15, 16 sports here at CU, and that number is you know. 25 to 26 at USC, uh, USC and UCLA. So they have a lot on their plate, and that was uh, it was nice to have them on. Now, I have to say, I love where the Pac-12's head is at as a conference, uh, as a business, because it really jives in a way with um, w- with Colorado's and, and Rick George's. Uh, Rick George's is all about what's coming next: the facilities, the IPF. Balancing budgets, winning championships, that is what it is all about. And the conference thinks the exact same way. They want to give power over to the schools in these business matters. They want to make sure that the, uh, that the schools are taken care of, that they're taking care of themselves, and that in the end, everybody is making money for the greater good. And 
I love that. I really, really do. Because if you look at how the SEC and the Big Ten operate right now, they are split with everything. It gives them more reach in the short term. But I think the Pac-12 right now is really building for the long term. It's like Bill Simmons banking on podcasts and digital before oh, people gosh. did podcasts and digital. Like That's the most apt comparison I can find for it. And we no, all know right. that... Simmons is who he is now, and that is kind of how I'm seeing the Pac-12 in this. I mean, did he did he uh, do anything to kind of alleviate any concern you had coming into this? I, I think he really explained what the point of the entire thing was, and it's not just he. Ex- obviously, you know, the university is going to make some more money, but again, it. I mean, that's job creation right there within the universities. Mm-hmm. I know there's a lot of kids that are you know our age that are college age kids that would love to go in to this type of business, and you know when you have to go find an outside job from a third party, you know, no matter what field you're in, it can be tough. But if you have a department within your own university, and we all know, I mean, especially here at the University of Colorado, I think we're all very proud on you know athletes and students coming back to work for their university i think that just adds another wing for kids to come back and contribute to and especially you know a school here at the university of colorado we got a brand new cmci school that has a lot of bright kids and a lot of bright futures i think giving them i mean virtually a playground to go play on in you know post-grad years and they're familiar with the project couldn't have been any smarter and at the same time you know it'd be nice also that we'll get a few million extra dollars here you know there's there's that little facility they're they're doing over there that needs a few bucks but uh it, it's pretty yeah, I mean, it's pretty cool right now and i think uh the way he explained it too was it's something that you weren't going to get from reading an interview online it's not something you're going to get from an article and i'm really glad that you know he explained it to us and at the same time i uh, you know if you, even if you know very little about the issue it's comforting to hear that it's something Although it is complicated and there's a lot of numbers around it, you could explain it to someone like they're five and they can say, okay, I get it. That's cool. Yeah. You're tuning to Radio 1190, KVCU Boulder, 6.33 p.m. here on the AM Revolution. It's Friday Night Live with Joe Paris and Andrew Hobner. Twelve minutes. Twelve minutes. <laughs> the, the clock is ticking. Rich, Rick George will be joining us here uh, via, via the FaceTime audio again. And I did really want to take a quick second to give a special shout-out to Joey Prechtel, who just finished his uh, cross-country journey. Joey, a long time. Station employee here uh, got a job in Presque Isle, Maine, as a reporter for CBS 8 in one of the most northern newsrooms in the entire country. He drove from Colorado on Tuesday all the way to Maine. He actually spent his last one of his last days here in the Radio 1190 studio a week ago, and now he uh, is getting ready to be a CBS reporter. He's going to be a big time star, and I know that he is specially tuned in. He wanted to hear, uh, you know. What Eric had to say, he wants to hear what Rick George has to say. So, uh, shout out to Joey, and I hope uh, hope your your drive wasn't too hard. <laughs> yeah, really. I mean, that's I've done the cross country trip. It's 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 not bad until you start driving across Kansas, and then it's pretty brutal. But four days, we got what ten minutes before we bring him on. Yeah, four days until football season, or a little over six days. Yeah. Right? Yeah, six days. We're within a week. Yeah. Six days until football season starts, barring any hurricanes or tropical storms. Which is interesting. We should mention that. that, uh, Colorado was planning to travel to Hawaii uh, to open the season, and they actually are keeping their eyes on the weather because there is a hurricane brewing um, all the way out west. I believe they're called typhoons. Is it a typhoon? Okay. typhoons in the Pacific. It's a typhoon in the Pacific Ocean. Excuse me. (laughs) But there is some inclement weather that could affect the buffs. So that'd be really interesting because remember what happened with Fresno state during the Mm -hmm. floods they never rescheduled that game and i think this is a game that colorado wants at all costs because this is one of those games if colorado is going to win five or six games 
they need to start against a team like Hawaii, and they need to get it rolling. Well, and I mean, they need to they need to start on the right foot, and they need to win all four games. Uh, Hawaii, while they they struggled last year. Um, they pretty much had no starting quarterback. And uh, Max Wittick, who start, who's a quarterback uh, with USC before losing his job to a certain man named Cody Kessler. Who? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. You, you should have seen my face. I, I, I saw I, your face. I'm I sitting here. Genuinely, genuinely was shocked. Um, when Kessler took the job at USC, Max Wittick transferred over um, to Hawaii, where Norm Chow is the head coach. And now that they actually have a starting quarterback there, they really didn't when they played us. Um, there actually is some level of, of uh, competition to be set of this Hawaii Rainbow Warriors team, greatest nickname in college football. Uh, but I really like the attitudes that have been coming out of, of camp. Um, you know, Phil Lindsay says, you know, we can have fun, but it's a business trip. Tedrick Thompson uh, has quietly just been a, a real a real practice uh, and a real animal in practice. And Addison Gillum, despite uh, kind of having this little personal issues, um, you know, friends of his that I've talked to, people close to him, they say he sort of fell out of love with the game last year. And it got to a point where he sort of said, I, I, I don't know if I want to come back and play football. And Eventually, he came back around, he got back in shape, he rediscovered his love for the game, and, and he's saying, this is the most excited I've been to play in a long, long time. And that's great to hear, because when you think about two, three years ago, it did not seem that way when practices were letting out the fr- uh, Thursdays and Fridays before games. People didn't look genuinely excited to go out. These guys are not only excited to go out, they're out going out excited to win. Right. And that's a mentality that has taken a couple years to change, but it's changed, and I could see this team taken six to seven and even maybe making a bowl game if that all holy seventh game turns into a W. Well, you know what the coolest thing is, and you know, on media day, I think it was highlighted by every player I talked to. Of course, you know, we, we Coach McIntyre spoke at length about the culture within the program right now believes that they can win. And that is something that two years ago was such a hurdle, a mental hurdle, saying, I don't know, we're going to go out there, we're going to get crashed, blah, blah, blah. But this this group, themselves it wasn't co- and coach max said it wasn't him forcing it on them the, the group themselves they believe they can win and they're excited and you know i'll be honest they were talking about the rose bowl and is that a little ambitious yes i would say that's a little ambitious for this year but the fact that they have the guts and they have the confidence to even talk about a bowl game even talk about the possibility of the university of colorado going to play in the rose bowl is impressive in itself is it realistic no but it shows where the program's at. Yep. And you, you look at the schedule. It goes Hawaii, Massachusetts, Colorado State, Nickel State, and then you run into Oregon. Colorado should be 4-0, in my opinion, I after the first will, four I think weeks. they will be 4-0. And I really think they will. I think when you look at the schedule, you have I, – I personally think Hawaii is going to be a more difficult game than CSU. Um, Hawaii, CU, historically has had some trouble at Aloha Stadium, and they just have to it, – it's, it's a classic trap game. You know, when you are feeling extraordinarily confident going into a season, all you've been doing is really playing yourself. You're not exactly sure. But I think Hawaii is going to be a greater challenge because – CU knows Colorado State very well. I'm not even counting UMass because if that if that's a loss, and that's pretty catastrophic. But when you look at CSU, um, they are a program, in my opinion, a program in transition right now. They still have uh, Rashard Higgins, who, in my opinion, uh, him and Nelson Spruce, the fact that two of the best receivers in the country are coming out of Colorado is pretty impressive. But Higgins, I will give a slight edge to over Spruce and I might get crucified for saying that, but I think uh, Higgins is a better deep ball threat uh, than Spruce can be. Um, But no Garrett Grayson. Um, 
no Jim McElwain, and the team, no Ty Sambrio. There's a lot of players on this CSU team that uh, are coming in to fill some pretty big shoes. And I think Colorado is just you know, making sure that their shoes get bigger and bigger. And they're returning essentially everybody. All of their core is back. That game, I think, is going to be a blowout. I, I really do. And I think that if they get through Hawaii is that initial hurdle. If they beat Hawaii convincingly, then I think the sky's the limit. But if they get through that first hurdle in Hawaii, then I think they can go ahead. They can knock down uh, Massachusetts, CSU, and Nickel State with relative ease. And then the... You know, the big test, obviously, will be Oregon, who just named Vernon Adams as their starting quarterback uh, 15 days into training with Oregon. So, obviously, they see something in here. But probably the bigger news is uh, a certain familiar voice yes. coming back to uh, Folsom this year, Joe. Media days also, it's a very exciting time because, you know, it's the, it's the end of the summer. It really gets you ready to go. Football, of course, is the highlight of that. Uh, you know, we'll talk about it, you know, next week and into the future. Volleyball going on right now. They're going to have a dynamite season. But for me, uh, one of the best parts of media day is actually talking to the other reporters you know the people you haven't seen since the end of the football season and a guy who we all respect more than anyone a 2010 colorado sports hall of famer uh he's called over a thousand university of colorado sporting events larry zimmer will be returning for one more year in the booth we have the privilege at radio 1190 to have the booth right next to 850 koa and i'll tell you it just wasn't the same up there without zim really wasn't and zim and his wife were at media day and zimmer man he was looking good he talked to us at length we had a really good time talking with him there's word that he might even be teaching a course here in the spring we will see but uh the fact that he's back is really cool and you know, to have a guy who's called i think exactly a thousand and six sporting events to have one more go and really to finish off a career i mean as the all-time greatest university of colorado uh broadcaster and i think that will stand forever is it's it's an honor and the other news coming out of it is, well, who are you going to have to replace him? And the word is, if you haven't heard, Gary Barnett is going to get some mm-hmm. time this year up in the booth. <laughs> and I can't wait to go shake Gary's hand. And uh, he is slated to be the, the color commentator next year alongside Mark Johnson. So that'll be cool. Gary Barnett coming back to the booth. What a, what a, what a story there. Hashtag free Barnett. That's, that's all I got to say. If you print the shirts, free I'll Barnett, wear them. Hashtag Barnett is free. If, you, know, you know how the, the Folsom Frenzy did that like little... Tifo type thing at the game last year. It's at Folsom Friendly yeah. or Folsom Frenzy, excuse me. Yeah. Th- their thing should just be hashtag Barnett is free. Like that. That's all it should be. I'm I'm really really happy that uh, the university is kind of uh, that he's coming back into the fold of the university. And you know you see this a lot with with coaches and players that have had pretty. I would say rough or checkered pass with certain schools, and they still aren't. Uh, they still aren't really back yet. Things are, are still weird. I mean, the biggest case you look at is the Fab Five and Michigan, and how those guys just really don't want to have anything to do with them anymore because they tore down the banners. Um, so I think having Gary Barnett back is just really great because I think to ignore what happened in his tenure as far as results go. I think that is really it's really a crime because while there were transgressions in the program there were transgressions under under New Heisel as well you, you punish who are you punishing you know you're punishing the kids and that's that's not right they did a you know aside from the people that were causing misconduct and acting out of place a lot of those kids were good kids and they were part of teams that really should be enshrined in Colorado history. 2001, 
tied for first in the Big 12, one of the best Colorado teams that had come through since the 90s. And there really hasn't, since that 0-1 team, there really hasn't been one since then. No, and I think it's also uh, commonly forgotten that he started his head coaching career here in Colorado, down in Durango, Colorado, with the Fort Lewis Skyhawks. And I, you know, if you're a longtime listener of the show, you know I have a very close relation to uh, Durango, Colorado. But it's so cool to have a guy start his career down in Fort Lewis, and then, you know, he had uh, with Northwestern, and then comes to Colorado. And... They had a Fiesta Bowl in 2001, and it was absolutely, you know, they, they lost. It's heartbreaking, but he's he's done things for this school. And I think, yes, was there was there some tough years for Barnett? Yeah, there's a reason why he left, why he was asked to leave, why he was fired, whatever. But to have him come back in a new facet, and he's got, I mean, so much knowledge of University of Colorado football, I, don't, I couldn't have thought of a better guy because last year we were talking about, you know, when Larry Zimmer, um, when he hangs it up, who's going to replace him? And, you know, that's not someone I thought mm-hmm. of. And so when we saw that uh, release from Mr. Pilate last week. That was that was really cool. So, uh, all right. Well, what, I think it's uh, is that that time? Is it like, the time? Yeah. We're uh, we're gonna we're gonna FaceTime audio call Rick George. So, hopefully he's not sitting in chorus. Uh, Rick George, for those of you who don't know, he is at every sporting event. The man is like. Tron. I mean, he's Tron. everywhere. He moves at light speed and is all over the place. And you can't ask for more than that out of uh, out of an athletic director. So let's see if we can get Should it. I hit the button? Yeah, hit the okay, button. Okay, we're hitting the button. Rick George, the athletic director of our esteemed university. We're going to pull him up on the line. He is at the Coors Event Center right now watching the volleyball team kick off some action. But Mr. George, are you with us? Hello. Hey, Rick, it's Joe and Andrew. How's it going? Yeah, I'm just calling you guys, so I'm glad you called me. <laughs> hey, there we go. We, we got him up. We, we had a few technical difficulties, but uh, University of Colorado Athletic Director Rick George joining us. Uh, Rick, how do things look at the Coors Event Center right now? Yes, I am. We were uh, playing San Diego right now and in a pretty tight match. That's great. Well, we're gonna we're gonna jump right into some of the questions. Uh, as you know, we just sure. yeah we just talked to uh, Eric Hardenberg, a Pac-12 VP of Public Affairs, and we were talking a little bit about the multimedia rights uh, sales arm that was just Hello? created. You still with us? Hello. Hey, Rick. Can you hear us? Oh no. Oh come on. I know he's at the Coors Event Center. I know sometimes cell service in there is sometimes suspect. So we'll we'll try this again. We'll get him back. We'll get him back. We'll get him we back. We had him. Do not worry. He was there, so yeah. we did prove that we, we did have the ability to do this. But uh, he is he's at the you know, CU's kicking off action tonight at the Coors he's Event in, Center. If he's in the tunnel, that might be a problem. He's probably in the tunnel because I know that he, you know, he sits near the court yeah. side. Can you hear us now? Uh, Mr. Hello? Rick, you got us? Can you hear us? Yeah, I got you. This is too bad. Oh, oh this, is really this is too bad. All right. Well, Rick, I hope you can hear us. I, I don't hear you. So this is. Hang on. We, we might go here. Rick, you still with us? Come on. I know it's not on our end because our end was good. Last mm-hmm. time. Yeah. Well, you're tuned into Radio 1190 KBCU Boulder. We're going we're gonna to try Rick George one more time. Uh, thank you for the patience. Again, if uh, – okay, here we go. He's going to call He's gonna call here now. Okay, here we go. See if this works. See if this one works. Please work. Please work. All right, Rick, can you hear us? Come on, baby. Come on, Rick. Come on, baby. Can you hear us, Rick? 
Oh, it's he's connecting. We've got the connecting symbol on. Okay. Uh, you, know, you gotta love the Coors Event Center. No, it didn't work. SOB. It didn't work. Oh, this is not good. This is not good. <laughs> Let's try again. One more time. You're tuned into Radio 1190 KFC, boys. This is really good radio. We apologize for the uh, technical difficulties. We do. This can go on a sizzle reel for everybody one day. We really thought we had ironed this out earlier. I, was, I hoped we did. We went at 2, a, uh, 2 p.m. to do this. Yeah. Rick, can oh. you hear us? I can now, yeah. We okay, go. we figured it out. Sorry there it is. Sorry about the difficulties. All right. Well, now oh, that that's we... That's okay. Here we go. All right, Rick. So, real quick, volleyball action looking good so far? The lady buffs look good? Yeah, you know, it's a tough match. I think we're ranked 24th. They're ranked 26th, and it's tight. But, uh, you know, first first set, first match of the year. So uh, we look good, and uh, we've got a really good volleyball team. It's going to be a fun year watching. University of Colorado Athletic Director Rick George with us now. Uh, let's jump right into it. Andrew, take it away. Yeah, so, Rick, my question to you. Um, CU's multimedia contract with uh, Learfield Sports, it's in effect through 2019 and 2020, and the conference just yep. approved uh, the creation of their sales arm. So do you feel a little bit of pressure uh, when that deal expires to kind of be a part of the sales arm, or are you guys really just aware of what is going to make this university the most money? Well, no, it's really not about, you know, I mean, the money is important, but, you know, look, we're not pressured to do anything. We're going to do what's best for CU always, and whether that's uh, maintaining our relationship long-term with Learfield or going with the conference, we'll evaluate that as we move forward. But, um, you know, there's no pressure. And, and um, you know, look, I think what the conference is trying to do is great. Uh, that doesn't mean, you know, we'll join on to that and we'll look at this over the next few years and, and determine what's best for CU and then make a decision. The biggest selling point that companies such as IMG College and Learfield use when trying to obtain rights from universities is their experience in, of course, vast network of sponsors. Now, the Pac-12 will be essentially brand new to the game of multimedia rights and sales. What can the conference offer to schools that separate companies like IMG College and Learfield can't? Well, I think, I mean, I think they're, they're similar in that. I, I mean, I do think that, you know, the AT&T deal is a good thing that the conference has done that I think is good for all the schools. And, and that took, you know, bundling rights from all the different institutions. So, I, you know, the conference does have contacts. They do have, you know, sponsors out there that, that want to do things, you know, as a whole with the, with the conference. So um, certainly uh, Learfield has a lot of experience in that, and they're very good at it. Um, and again, that's why we're going to evaluate what's best for us. Uh, but there's really no hurry and no urgency in that, given that uh, we do have a contract to 19 and 20. So when you look at uh, the other schools, the Oregons and UCLA's of the world, UCLA just re-upped with IMG College and it tripled the deal. Uh, so if schools like UCLA, Oregon, these big schools that make a lot of money, choose to not be a part of this, um, does your does your attitude uh, of, of wait and see sort of change or is it just stay the course all the way through? Well, you know, look, I, I mean, we're, we're going to continue to look at it and, and depending on what the other schools, certainly we will take that into consideration. Um, you know, there, there's no hurry for us. I think our best days are ahead of us and I don't want to jump into a deal and then not value our rights in the way that they should be. So, you know, we're in no hurry. We're going to continue to, to look at the landscape and see what's going on. But, you know, just like the facilities that we just built, you know, while uh, we're not going to be last, but, but 
know, while we were last in building facilities, I think what we're going to find at the end of the day is that our facilities are as good as any in the country. And so I don't think there's an urgency and a, and a quickness to jump. It's really more to evaluate the landscape and then determine what's best for CU. And it's really exciting because I think everyone's been, you know, blown away with the facilities. But, uh, you know, while the Pac-12 has turned down, uh, sorry, turned an extraordinary profit on their national TV deal, they still have significant trouble when one considers the distribution of their own network. Uh, between small conferences, you know, small network distribution and lagging ticket sales in the biggest sport, how do you see CU capitalizing on potentially being part of the sales arm? Well, you know, look, I, I, you know, I think our, our, our network, you know, we're broadcasting 80, 850 live events. We're giving a lot of exposure uh, for our, uh, all of our programs, which I think is important. I think the reality is, while that's great, and, and uh, while I think the conference has done a great job in Fox and ESPN, I think we all know that we need to increase our distribution on the Pac-12 networks. We're focused on that. I think you'll see us continue to increase that distribution as we move forward. But, you know, that's an important uh, part of what we're doing is to make sure that multiple people in multiple areas of the country are able to see our product on the Pac-12 networks. So, uh, the, and speaking of the network, it, it's really something that a lot of people love. A lot of people love having it with them. But, uh, you know, it's no secret that the Pac-12 is one of the most successful, if not the most successful conference in the country in terms of revenue. But the cost of things like the network and these in-house ventures mean that school to school, uh, you're getting less money from the conference than one might in the Big Ten and the SEC. So from CU's perspective, do you believe autonomy is the right move to go with the Pac-12's autonomous arms? Um, because when you look at other schools that are in places that aren't autonomous, they're making a few million dollars more a year than colleges in the Pac-12 are. Well, look, I don't think the autonomy and the, the revenue that we're generating from the conference, you know, are are one and the same. And, you know, the, the, if you look at the five conference headers that are in that uh, 65 schools of autonomy, I think all of those conferences do well in generating revenue. What we've got to do in our conference is continue to grow on you know, we, we, we came out of the box in really a great fashion, and I think now we've got to really look at the landscape. I think that's one of the reasons, you know, Larry went with this looking at the multimedia rights, bringing that in-house. Can we distribute more to the schools? But, I mean, the reality is is that our network, we pay for the full cost of our network. And, um, you know, when you do that and when you have that expense, um, you know, it does cut down on your distribution. But I think it's a it's a short term issue. I think our long term uh, we're going to be set uh, um, uh, in a perfect position as we move forward. And you know I'm not so concerned about today. I'm really excited about where tomorrow is going to bring us. We've got a few uh, listener questions coming in, so we'll do some rapid fire ones before we wrap sure. up with you. Uh, here's one uh, listener calling in from Arvada says, "I'm so pumped with the facility upgrade and kudos for getting it done. I know we have to take care of business and get it all funded, but looking down the road, what upgrade?" are next on the CU and Rick George wish list? 
Well, look, I mean, you know, one thing we've got to do is we've got to fund this, and we're, we're in process of doing that, and our fundraising is going really well, um, and these facilities are going to be transformational. But, you know, we've got to look at the landscape of our facilities. I mean, if, even if you look in the inside of Folsom Field, there's a lot of upgrades that need to happen there. You know, our, our west side of the stadium, Balch Fieldhouse, our west club seating, we need to look at. Uh, we need to look at the Coors Event Center. We, you know, there may be a time that they start building on East Campus that we'll have to look at, okay, where are we going to put soccer, lacrosse, and um, in, in our track and cross country. So, you know, we've got a lot of things on the horizon for the future. We're evaluating those. We're looking at our best options. But our priority right now is to finish the facilities that we're building, fund them, and then we'll look for the next opportunity. We got uh, another question coming in from Michael. Michael wants to know, are we looking at adding more sports in the future? Well, what I would say to Michael and, and everybody else is that, you know, as everybody knows, we've come out of a budget deficit. You know, this is the first in the last four or five years that we've had a balanced budget, um, and we're not going to spend money that we don't have. And so uh, before we add additional sports, we're going to make sure that we can properly fund the supports we have at the level that we want, and then we'll consider adding additional sports. But I wouldn't look to adding any sports for the next three to five years. So our final question to you comes from uh, All Buffs user, Buffnick, and his question is, uh, is the athletic department working with the Folsom Frenzy and C-Unit Buffs uh, to ensure that CU has the Pac-12's number one student section? And if so, how are you guys doing it? Well, look, I mean, let's face it. Our students are the key to the atmosphere that we have uh, in our venues, whether it's Folsom Field or whether it's the Coors Event Center. And it's a priority for us to ensure that our student-athletes come out and support what we're doing. And so Matt Biggers, Prima Comina, who runs our, our marketing department, we're working very closely with students. We've, we're actually engaged uh, in changing homecoming up a little bit that we think will make it more robust, uh, that will involve the students students and uh, so we're having those discussions and um, I think uh, our students are really going to come out in full force and and uh, look you know we need our students they're important to us we need them out at the events because they do create the atmosphere uh, that has been so successful for us in Coors Event Center and we need to translate that with the Folsom Frenzy uh, uh, and the C unit at Folsom Field six Saturdays this summer I mean this fall excuse me you're tuned into Radio 1190 KVCU Boulder, University of Colorado Athletic Director, Rick George here with us. Rick, we'll let you go, Joy. Uh, the rest of the volleyball action, and uh, we hope to see you on uh, opening day for football. That sounds great. You guys have a great night, and go Buffs. All right, go, go Buffs. Buffs. So, uh, again, thank you to Rick George, University of Colorado Athletic Director, uh, for joining us. Uh, first time ever, so that's pretty exciting. And, you know, through the technical difficulties, we really crushed <laughs> it there. Wow. That was, we, were, we both got scared. <laughs> a little mini heart attack. Woo, there. We're like, is this not going to happen after, we, like, two months of yeah, prep? Well, we had about two. Well, to give you guys some perspective here, to, to put this together, uh, to not only have Rick George but also uh, Eric on this show, was uh, we had to do a couple months of, of prep work and, and setting uh, all the logistics for this in and uh we had to make sure that everything was actually going to go right and as we started pumping the show uh the the uh the morning um it 
it kind of became more and more real, but it was uh, it was a little it was a little scary when uh, when that FaceTime audio went through. And uh, sorry, real quick uh, shout out D- uh, DBT DBT asked our future upgrade question. Yes, yes, uh, that is Dan from Arvada. The man, the myth, the legend. Sorry, Dan. Yeah. I, I had the notes in front of me. I just read over it. But uh, real quick, uh, let's first of all, I want to thank everyone who tuned in tonight. I know that uh, Radio 1190, we are, we are growing uh, huge over the last few years. And if you didn't know, we're actually a top five radio station in the uh, college industry. So, And it's people like you guys out there. So we hope to have you every Friday night. Uh, Andrew and I were speaking in the office this afternoon. This is something we're going to do every Friday night. We're going to have a guest, hopefully, every Friday night with us. And uh, you know, keep the comments going. You know, Twitter, Facebook. Facebook blogs, everything is great. Uh, we really appreciate all the support that we've gotten uh, throughout the weeks. And all you guys at All Buffs are incredible. Thank you to Buffnick for uh, really helping us out tonight. But uh, real quickly, and we do have some time. This program, uh, we have until 8 o'clock to go. So uh, we won't make you stay with us that long. It is Radio 1190, KVC Boulder, top of the hour. Joe and Andrew here, Friday Night Live. Uh, Rapid reaction. Rick George, you know, he spoke about a lot of things. The thing that stuck out to me is the thing that makes University of Colorado sports, University of Co- University of Colorado sports, and that's the fans. And I think, you know, there was some um, issues towards the end of the basketball season last year. I openly criticized the student section on this program. As, and, and as did I. And, yeah. And, you know, they, yeah. they kind of stopped showing up after Colorado started losing. But I think when the Folsom Frenzy, when the uh, C unit is at full force, they really are one of the best student sections in well, the country. It's not a question. It's not even a question. And, and it does make a difference. You talk to players, and I, mostly in my experience, basketball players, it, it really, I mean, it fuels them. And it's something that, you know, for Rick to talk about, it's pretty cool. Yeah, and, and the, the funny thing is, is that, um, you know, we, we work a lot uh, in... Uh, on on different events and we see uh you know we see the people that run the c unit and although they they're not the kids in the front row uh, with the costumes they're the kids sitting just to the left who stay relatively quiet but they are some of the biggest fans out there and you know when when we criticize um you know i've I've really wanted to kind of make sure this has been known is that it's criticizing the casual fans of cu that that really don't feel an attachment to the program despite being students here michelle fay um in niederman who was here a couple of years ago with uh, the josh siegel matt glasgow yep, all of those guys man they they did an unbelievable job and it got frustrating to see that those kids who had worked so hard had kind of just gotten abandoned by everyone else and i think that's where a lot of the criticism comes from but i think now in a new year i think everyone is going to really understand uh that cu is on the rise and i think that starting the football season four and oh is going to be a huge part of that and even if oregon goes the way oregon games have gone these past couple years fans are still going to turn up it's still going to be a year where everyone knows what's going to happen the buffs really have a good chance to make a bowl this season and in basketball too we have josh fortune thomas akazili keenan gazanich all coming in uh um, the kind of old guard, the split that went down the locker room where it was kind of a Josh Scott versus a Skia Booker issue. Um, we'll actually get into that more as the season starts. But, uh, you know, that problem is now gone. Um, and players are coming back. And I think a lot of fans are coming back to see you, too. So for those of you that have been through the tough times longer than Joe and I have, you guys are uh, the real MVPs. You guys are the troopers. And <laughs> we're just we're just happy to be along for this amazing ride of, of what CU Athletics has been. And the way Rick George and, and Mr. Hardenberg talk, I mean, it's 
it shows that as a whole, the conference is about it, too. Oh, yeah. And I think that the Pac-12 is really starting to stake its claim as not only the best footballing conference in the country, but probably the best conference in the country, really making sure that that College of Champions motto is really, it, it, it's worth it. They have earned it. It's Friday Night Live on Radio 1190, KVC, Boulder, Joe Paris, and Andrew Hobner uh, coming to you live from the basement of the UMC, beautiful University of Colorado. Keep those questions coming in. Uh, we're going to probably go to about 7.30 tonight before we hand it over to Ambient Overnight. Uh, but, you know, I thought it'd be it'd be appropriate, I think, really quickly. Let's, let's preview the University of Colorado football season. Let's talk about it. And I know we, we briefly touched on it in between interviews, but Colorado will head to uh, Hawaii this week and pending travel plans because of uh, some inclement weather all the way out west uh we'll see we'll see if the game happens i'm really hoping so i was in i was in hawaii earlier this summer and i'll tell you it's it's quite a spot if you've never been you gotta go but you don't go for longer than like a week because then it's it's too much but anyways let's talk <laughs> let's talk about um let's talk about the first four games obviously you start against hawaii and then you come home and you get you know, Massachusetts and Colorado State down in Denver and Nickel State. And if you're not 4-0 through those games, Andrew, is that a failure? Is the uh, season over? You know, our, our buddy Ryan Konigsberg kind of wrote a, an index of how how DEFCON you should – what DEFCON level you should be at if you – if we uh, go each level. I think that the expectation here should be 4-0. I really do. Um, I think some people consider that to be a little much. I think, you know, there's people that think one step at a time. But I think that the standard should be set now. And I think Rick George in the athletic department has set the standard of we expect you to be elite. We expect you to be the best. We expect – to win and you know it's interesting to me because when you look at uh, how things have been these past few years it's always been kind of a take what you can get last year despite the losses there was noticeable improvement and you couldn't even remotely say anything about coach Mack's job prospects because you could tell there was improvement it was the second youngest team in the entire FBS so now I think is the time where expectation is is re- we're ready. We're ready for expectation. We're ready for the big market mentality of we want you to win all the time. Because I think if you look at the Blue Bloods in college football, the expectation is to constantly win. And if we want to get back to that, I think the that's where our heads have to collectively be at right now is make sure that these guys know that they we expect the best out of them the same way they expect the the best out of uh the, the best out of themselves and I, I loved it I, I i i really am just i can't tell you how excited i am for the season i think that there is a lot of good opportunity for the buffs to do well it's a great opportunity for them to win a bowl game had vernon adams uh not won the starting position for oregon i actually would have gone out on a limb and said that oregon was a good potential upset in the uh first game of the really? conference season yes and and let me explain to you why so uh thomas tyner who is this was going to be the starting running back for oregon uh got hurt and he is out for the entire season. Uh, Oregon graduated quite a few members of that team that made it to the national championship this past year. And they also are a team that pretty historically, um, they, they know how to keep things interesting in the first, uh, first game of first conference game, excuse me, the season. Um, I was raised an Oregon fan, full disclosure for everyone. My father went to Oregon, so I was raised as a duck fan. How dare you? I, well, I'm sorry. How I, dare that was, you? That was before I came to see you. What do you want out of me? Um, 
you know, so I was raised as a Duck fan. I know Duck football, and, and that's the one thing they always managed to do is that first conference game, there was always a bit of a trip. And if you look at the quarterback situation prior to Adams, it was post-Marcus Mariota, and it was Jake Lockie and uh, uh, Morgan Mahalik, I want to say his first name is. Uh, but if you look at Lockie Mahalik, neither of them are an immediate uh, good quarterback. And if there's a quarterback situation three to four games into the season uh, and it still hasn't been resolved and your starting running back is gone, uh, you've graduated a significant amount of players off of your national championship team. You're still ranked, but this Colorado team literally is built to upset. They are built top to bottom to be upsetting some great teams. So it's going to be a much more daunting task. But I think Colorado, had Adams not started, Colorado could have had the potential to really give Oregon a run. I still think they can. I think they'll steal uh, at least one away from the Arizona schools. I think Oregon State is going to be a win. Uh, And then you kind of have your all-holy seventh game, which I think is probably going to be Washington State uh, and Utah both. I mean, I... I could see them going seven to eight this year. Honestly, I, I don't think there's much. I, I really don't think there's much margin for mistakes, and I think they, the players, all collectively acknowledge that now. When I think, uh, you know, there's a lot of talent out there for Colorado, and as much talent as there is, I think again, it was more of a mental thing, especially last year. Of you, you would get in these games where Colorado was so. I mean, they were in these games so late, and they take you know UCLA to overtime, which you and I were up in the booth for that one. And oh yeah, <laughs> I thought I thought someone was either going to cry or throw a chair out the window. <laughs> it was the latter. But yeah, uh, I was about to say, but I, I think, think I you know, Seppo Lufau is a talented player. Mm-hmm. And you talk to him, and again, at Media Day, you talk to him, and the mentality for him last year, and this was, you know, something that he just did to himself, was, I can't make mistakes. I can't make mistakes. I can't make mistakes. And when you're thinking that to yourself, every time you get the ball, you're going to make mistakes. Mm-hmm. And what he learned to do in the offseason, he also did. I mean, he looked a little bigger. It looked like he, he really uh, you know, spent the summer working oh, he hard. totally beefed up. Yeah, he did. I think that now that he has a mentality that, look, I put up these incredible numbers last year. And even with those incredible numbers, I wasn't happy. So now that we can see that he can do it, it's more of... Will the guys around him rally? Because, really, let's be honest here. The University of Colorado football quarterback, I guess, situation has been a rotating door. It seems like you get through well, four games. Seriously, since, no, my, we've, we've, since my sophomore year in high school. Too. We've been guilty of this, too. Absolutely. It's, media, we've been guilty of this. It's a quarterback has three, four games, and then everyone's calling for his head. It started off with Connor Wood a few years ago. And, oh, God. oh, we don't want Connor. We don't want Connor. Put in, put in Jordan Webb. Put in Jordan Webb. Okay, well, you get Jordan Webb. Oh, Jordan Webb. Jordan Webb. Oh, okay, put in Sefo. Oh, put in Jordan Gerke. Wait, was oh, it the blah, blah. reverse of that? Was it the, sorry, was it, was it the other yeah, way around? Yeah, it was Webb to Wood. Webb to Wood. Wood to Sefo. Sefo to Gerke and whatever. Now, it, now someone's now it's always Steven Montez, so you oh, know, God. God knows what will happen four games into the season if Sefo struggles. And you know what? I, that's on us, too. It's very Joe, much as, on as, us. It's on us as media. it's easy to do. It is. It's very easy to do. And it's always easy to see the grass being greener. I mean, when you look at what happened last spring uh, when it was Sefo and Gerke battling out for a position, Gerke looked, or not last spring, the spring prior to this one, Gerke looked very good. But, you can, you know, there's practice players and there's game players. And it was patently obvious that Gerke would have, I mean, Gerke, he didn't play well. He wasn't good enough. And it was pretty obvious that Sefo was going to be the guy. So I, I really hope that people trust Sefo throughout this year because 
I like Steven Montez. There are people that love Steven Montez. I personally loved his video. I'm just holding <laughs> off. I'm holding off. I'm liking him, you know, feeling feel it out a little bit. But I, I don't want to prematurely crown Steven Montez as the next starting quarterback if Cepho struggles. And we shouldn't even be having that yeah. conversation. If you've watched Cepho in he camp, needs, he, he looks needs great. He needs, he, needs some, he needs people to believe in him. And I think that really does uh, – it does a number on a player's psyche when – all you read about is people just trashing on you. And and once again, I was I was guilty of this all of last year because you know, you throw two you know, throw an inopportune pick two to three weeks in a row, you get upset about well, it. Again, that's all a mental thing. You if you this? go back and watch yeah. those plays, and that's something that I know a few of us did this summer at you know, we said, Let's go let's go back now that we're a little bit removed. Let's go back and watch these plays and you know, YouTube really has ruined my life because between <laughs> yeah, professional has. wrestling and Pac twelve videos, I don't really have a reason to leave the studio, but you watch these plays in the ways that they developed and you slow them down, they weren't god awful plays. They were just panicked plays. Mm-hmm. You know, well, I think Seppo can yeah. get away with some of the throws. Once in a while, but when you again, it's a mental thing. When Sefo thinks I, I'm not going to be able to finish this game, mm-hmm. we can't finish the game. I mean, people are going to be calling for my head. That puts so much extra it does, pressure. It does. And and the the thing about Sefo, uh, when you look at those plays from from a strategic standpoint, it comes from him trusting his first read way too often. Um, he does, well, or just looking at Nelson Spruce, well, and if it, if it's not what, Nelson Spruce, I mean. he's going to throw it into the stands. That's what I mean. You have you have Nelson at the X, and when. When Nelson is the guy who is taking eight-plus receptions a game, it gets easy in tough game situations to look for him. And I think that that was still Cepho being a bit young. Now he's got another year under his belt. He's had a full season of of making mistakes and getting used to the fact that he has this high-volume X receiver with him that now I think he can trust his other looks a little bit more. Because if, you know, I... I thought the wide receiver core was was relatively deep last year. I don't think it was deep enough for Cepho to trust anybody but Nelson Spruce in late game. You had you had Gucci, you had Tyler McCullough, but he you know he wasn't a deep threat. He was kind of your big short yardage guy. You had Sheffields, who was, but he was still young, untested, a, a little bit on the lighter side. Bryce Bobo was out. Didi Goodson was a short yardage guy. There was really no deep, really heavily deep threat. No Paul Richardson type player out no. there, and so uh, it, it got kind of easy. The way that's at least my take on it is. It got easy for Cepho in these late games to look to that slant route, to look to uh, the, these kind of inside routes where you've got a guy, you know, it's, it's short yardage passing only. And well, I, I, I think, think something another, important, I think though. I done great for him. I think he's going to do great this year. I agree, and I think something important that you, you briefly touched on was the Paul Richardson-Nelson-Spruce comparisons. Paul Richardson and Nelson Spruce are— Two totally different players. Exactly. <laughs> Paul totally Richardson different. was a much different player, and I think that you know the casual fan says, oh, great, Nelson Spruce, he's just as good as Paul Richardson. He's our next Paul Richardson, blah, blah, blah. Well, that's, that's great. In, in some aspects, yes, he's a good receiver. But the way that Spruce and Richardson play the game were so different, and sometimes I'd be sitting up in the box wondering, you know, does Cepho, does it register with Cepho that these guys are so different? Because there'd be these times where it was a panic play, it, it might have come out of the huddle, it might have been, a, you know, at the snap, you know, an audible, that it was just a ridiculously odd-looking, mm-hmm. long play to Nelson Spruce. Spruce is a great player. He's a great guy. We really like him here on campus. Love him. Not Love Paul him. Richardson. Much different player. Paul Richardson's going to be, in my opinion, I think he's going to be a great slot receiver in the NFL. Yeah, Nelson Spruce is more of... He's, you know who he is? Who is he? He's Eric Decker. 
Okay. I'm serious. He's okay, gonna, I'm okay with he that. Beefs, if he beefs up a, li- a little bit, he will be Eric Decker. Because if you match up the numbers between Decker's last year in Minnesota and Spruce's numbers at Colorado, they're pretty comparable. Um, I think it was Decker. Decker had a little bit more yards per catch. I think his was 12, 12.8, I want to say, to to Nelson's uh like nine, nine or ten, but it was it was pretty obvious that um, that Nelson uh, is a high volume receiver, the same way that Eric Decker is a very high volume receiver as well. And they're both guys who, you know, I, I know I'm probably going to hear like the, oh, it's because they're both the white receiver. And like, no, it's just play wise and the way that they play. They are pretty similar. You never saw Eric Decker flourished in the Broncos system because he had fast, deep threat receivers that would take a lot of that attention. He had his Demarius Thomases, and uh, and he he had a guy who would literally be able to go deep, pull guys out. So either he would be free on a deep route, or he would be able to get these ten, eleven yard plays. And Nelson Spruce is that guy and uh, I see exactly who you're pulling up and this actually is a pretty good comparison when you look at Paul Richardson I think of former Denver Bronco Ashley Lalee now if I just gave anyone a wicked flashback Ashley Lalee was drafted by Denver in 2002 he also played for Atlanta San Francisco and Oakland but the way he played the game uh, last year we were sitting up in the booth and we would watch we we would watch Nelson run around and I say finally hit me I said Paul Richardson's Ashley Lalee. And someone turned to me and said, who is Ashley Lalee? It's like, what? And there's another really? guy. There's another former Denver Bronco. He, he didn't make it in the league. But, again, this is really Kevin Kasparitis, who was also briefly on the Denver Broncos. Again, YouTube, you can go back and watch this. I think you know, if, if you go look up Kevin Kasparitis, good luck spelling his last name. Yeah, really. Nelson Bruce and Kasparitis, uh, they, they run routes so well. Well, that's, yeah. And that's the thing mm-hmm. that Spruce does the best is he... He does his job. He Sefo, the reason why he's the number one option, obviously he can catch the ball. He runs his route incredibly he well. He, he is without a doubt, uh, in my opinion, the best college route runner I think I've seen in, in, my, in my time. Well, Rashard watching. Higgins is pretty good, too. Well, Higgins is good, but Higgins is also a guy who's ridiculously athletic, and he's a deep threat. And he's, you know, when you are a guy like Nelson Spruce, who you can't rely on your speed, you can't rely on your height to get yourself uh, away from defenders, it comes down to your route running. And that's why scouts like him. Scouts aren't going crazy over him because of his his talent they like his talent but they love his route running because his route running is amazing it's it's i think probably the best in college football right now for me personally out of all the receivers that i've watched in college i think it's one of the best because receive the receiving position is so unique in college football because it's very easy to be a really really good wide receiver off just talent alone. And you, and you see that from a lot of players that come in and they struggle right out of the gate. Look at DeAndre Hopkins at the Houston Texans. Outrageously talented when he came in. Had a str- you know, first year, he struggled. He struggled getting off uh, getting off the line. He struggled being a, a good receiver. Now he's there. And that's why people, you know, are so all in on Amari Cooper. It's why I am too. Amari Cooper is not only talented, but he's a really good route runner. I, I still think Nelson's a little bit better than he is. Um, but he's a really good route runner. He's outrageously talented. He's just a naturally gifted receiver. So he's already ready for that, le- for that league, for that level. Nelson Spruce might not have the physical tools, but he has the route running. He's got the smarts. He has the ability to do that. And I think when you look at some of the schedules, I, it's, it's going to be 
the Nelson Spruce show all year until they start doubling him like they did uh, midway through last year. And that's when you saw his production really, really drop off a cliff. Uh, so it's... It's going to be interesting to see. I think it's going to start once the Pac-12 uh, play begins because people in the Pac-12 are very familiar with him already. They already know uh, what his play style is. They already know he's a very high-volume receiver, so they're going to look um, to to zone him. They're going to have guys coming underneath, trying to take out those slant routes that Sefo was tossing picks on. You saw it at UCLA. You saw it against Washington. A guy coming underneath who could just read Sefo's eyes. I think that's going to be the biggest test is, can Sefo wean himself off of Nelson Spruce? Because Nelson Spruce is just that good of a receiver. It's like a video game where you just want to pass the same guy. It's like when you have a creative yeah, right. character. You, have Randy you just want to Moss, pass it to yourself. Randy Moss and Madden 02. Yeah. Yeah, Dante. Ridiculous. Yeah. 718, Radio 1190, KVCU Boulder, Friday Night Live. Joe Paris and Andrew Hobner with you tonight. Let's uh, let's talk significant uh, significance of a bowl game. I think looking at the schedule, Colorado can actually win six games they, and become bowl eligible. And I think they'll get and, and I, I think they'll get the seven that'll put them auto in. But that's that's just how big is it to make a bowl game compared to winning six games which is more important <laughs> winning six regular season games okay. or making a bowl game because <laughs> um, to me making a bowl game is really not that big of a deal what no not, did you say not making a bowl game isn't a big deal i would rather them show five six wins and maybe you know if they don't make the papa john's dot net all state dot Netcom no, ball, whatever. I'd crazy. rather them. I'd rather them. The studio should be on fire from a take that hot. Joke. Well, I'd rather them. <laughs> I'd rather them really not go to a stupid bowl game this year. Not get all hyped up. Saying, okay. Oh, we all made right, a bowl I, game. We did it. We, okay, because that's that. not the end result that. you want. It's, all right, I, I understand where you're coming from. You want them to see a bowl that is actually significant. You don't want to see one of these bowls that was just you know created corporate so ESPN had more things to program right. in December. Right. I I agree with that. I really do. But you need to look at the intangible. The intangible uh, idea, the, the reason that these fans have struggled and been through so much, to them, it is just the culmination of the events of the last two years, and it kind of shows. It's a way to show people that, look, this is where we're going. This is why we dropped $168 million to build these facilities. This is why we hired Jim Levitt. This is why we hired Joe Tumpkin. This is why we went out and we got uh, Mike McIntyre. It, it's, it, it's just affirming everything. And I think that getting a, to a bowl game right. also does wonders for recruiting. Okay, and I agree, but here's here's the analogy I have. And trust me, I would love Colorado to make a stupid bowl game because yeah, that would be a lot of fun. But here's go. the thing. We would go to it. Like, why Yeah, would we would. We would that? go travel. <laughs> and we would have a good time. But here's, here's what I think of. When Colorado made the CBA in basketball, who CBI? cares? The CBI, excuse me. The CBI. CBI Chinese Basketball Association? Yeah, well, they they almost did. The whole team almost <laughs> did. Um, the CBI, excuse me. The CBI is not the same. It's like it's this postseason tournament that shouldn't matter. Yeah, and that's but, the same. It's Again, it's an ESPN, oh, we need more things to show. Colorado making in football a postseason game that doesn't matter. It's a, great. And I think and it shows... It's apples and oranges. Ah, it is. It, it might be. Think about it. If it's you worth take, considering. If you were to take the amount of teams that made the NCAA tournament every okay. year, that's 32 bowl games. Okay. So if you if you took that model, then if you're in the last— How 30, many bowl games are there? 50? Something like that. If, you're in the, if you are in one of those 32 bowl games, then technically you just made the NCAA tournament in my eyes. So how is that bad? 
The the reason that the CBI is what it is, there's 39. Okay, there's actually only 39 there's 39 bowl games. Bowl games. All right, I take it back. I thought there was about 50. No, no. See, like, and, and I'm telling you, when you look at... Look at the recruits that we are looking to get, guys like Craig Watts and uh, Carlo Kemp, the Fairview senior who is on a lot of the maps of high major schools, but CU offered him relatively early out of the gate. You make a bowl game, you show those kids, hey, we're back, we're big, and we want you to be a part of this. And when you look at when you look at guys like like um, Johnny Huntley and these other players, they're they're guys who are buying in and, and they they have bought in uh, freshmen that have come in. Patrick Carr, Dino Gordon, these guys these guys all know that they want to be part of something special. They want to really establish themselves uh, in CU and making a bowl game is the kind of thing, Joe, that really it clinches it. It makes your recruits know. That this program is trending up, and if you are making a bowl game in this year with state-of-the-art facilities that were just built before they got into the school, then what's going to happen when they get to their second and third year? They're going to go to Rick George's uh, model, and they're going to win the Pac-12 championship. That's the way it's going to be. I am. I'm all in on this. I'm all in on it, and I. Cool. I'm not going to say that anything less than a bowl game is going to be a failure. I'm not going to be that guy. I expect us to make a bowl game. I'm not going to lose my mind if we don't. But you can't say that a bowl game is not important for this school in more ways than one. I'm going to tell you something. Tim from Boulder, who just called in. Um, again, our, our uh, audio board's down, so we can't take calls uh, and put him on the air. But Tim Tim called in, and Tim actually just changed my mind about the bowl game. He pointed something out very clever to me <laughs> that, was cool. that I hadn't thought of. And Tim, who's a longtime listener, uh, shout out to Tim. Thanks for calling in. Tim says that... When you make a bowl game, that means your team is continuing to practice and play deep mm-hmm. into the year, into December. That's right. And what he mentioned, he says, the longer you're playing, the more practice you get, the better you're going to get. And that's right, because a lot of the times, you know, the season's over and everyone goes home. But if you have to wait till January, late January to play a bowl game, you're at practice every week. You're making the guys hit the gym. Everyone's on the field. And that's keeping these guys fresh, and they're all getting better instead of going home and sitting on the couch. And what Tim highlighted there is something I didn't even think about. And so, you know what? With that in mind, it's an incentive to play for. Yeah, there's mm-hmm. a lot of silly bowl games out there. Yeah, I just made a point that I'm going to totally eat right now. <laughs> Ah, yes. But what Tim highlights yes. is that if Colorado makes, uh, let's say they make a late, what, how late does the bowl season go? Actually, the last one's in, is uh, what, January, mid-January, I guess? Uh, no, it's it's around, I want to say January 8th was okay. around the time of the college football playoff. Uh, All right, so let's say, let's say Colorado makes a game that's, uh, we'll call it Christmas weekend. There's always games Christmas weekend. They're playing an extra month. And, you know, you bet your bottom dollar. Tim hit it on the mark. Playing that extra month is going to make a difference mm-hmm. making, you know, into the into the future. Because also, it's yeah. It's a mentality thing, too. It is. And you have guys on the team that are saying, hey, we have something to play for. We're going to be playing deep into uh, we're going to be playing deep into uh, the year. And it's going to be a lot of fun. And, you know, and I think the fans can stay attached to it. And, you know, again, bingo, Tim, you got it. I mm-hmm. think, you know, reps is the most important thing at this age. I think what Andrew said, you can have all the talent in the world and that works at this level, but especially the way that Coach Mack uh, runs his system it's is belief, it's reps, baby. reps, reps, yep. belief. It's a mentality thing. And, I mean, trust me, if they, if they get into December and they're still playing that's exciting for everyone and i think it's something that becomes part of the culture it says yeah we're playing football in december in boulder how about you and i think that extra practice is absolutely something that we need because you're not gonna ask you can't have the guys come out and keep playing and the season's over if they have nothing to play for so you know what uh, again 
That's great. That's a really good point, and mm-hmm. I'm going to eat it now. So I hope Colorado's playing <laughs> in the, the Radio1190.com bowl. That would be really nice if Radio1190 could sponsor a bowl. We could get some get some more viewership, get some you know fun streamers. Dude, we hats. could. Well, you know what? My dad, <laughs> my dad's made this joke probably every year since 2002. <laughs> he, he'd say, "Hey, son," and you know when I was a little bit littler, when I was about my hey, dad. Uh, when I was about seven, <laughs> when I was about seven. This was a little bit funnier. He said, "Colorado made a bowl game." I said, oh, "They did." He said, "Yeah, they're playing in the toilet bowl." Nice. And I really, that's a, my dad, that was my go-to like joke. insulting now. Oh, he loved it. But now it's... Toilet bowl no more. Now we're, we're, <laughs> we're playing at the, at the, we're playing in the... The Allstate.net Bowl. Hey, better than nothing, man. So, all right, I, uh, this is another question I'm posing to you. There are six ranked teams on the, on this schedule right now. Oregon, Arizona State, Arizona, UCLA, Stanford, USC. How many do you think that we have a chance to beat? And what is your percentage of that particular team on this list? Okay, let's see. Uh, you're not you're not beating Oregon. I don't think you're beating Arizona State. I think there's State. a slim chance, but I, I'm. I'll I think there's about a five percent chance you beat Oregon. I think there's about a ten percent chance you beat Arizona State. Uh, Arizona, to me, I think you got about a forty percent chance. UCLA, I think you got about a five percent chance. Stanford, I don't think is going to be that great. I think they come in number twenty-one in the preseason rankings. I, you know, the end of last year they looked okay. Mm-hmm. They didn't really. There's nothing not, that, that I'm aware of. I don't think they brought anyone in, and there's not really any underclassmen that will, you know, be doing anything special. So I think Stanford. Uh, uh, yeah, I give it about a 50-50. We'll call Stanford 50-50. And that's at home, by the way. USC, I think, no way. No way, especially on ESPN2 late mm-hmm. in the season. I mean, it's it's the third to last week of the season. USC, I think, will be a top-five team in the country at that time. I really think, although they have some boozing problems in the locker room, that um, they're going to be a really good team. And then you look mm-hmm. at Washington State. I think Washington State's a win. I think we got an 80 to 90% chance of winning that game. And Utah's a 50-50 game. It's a rivalry game. You never know what's going to happen. Utah is going to be a very talented team. Um, on Saturday, November 28th, when we travel to Utah, will it be in the top 25? Yeah, I think they may be the 25th team in the country so you know you're playing in utah it's a really tough place to play it's the end of the year but at the same time that could be the game that could be that sixth or seventh win that could get colorado into a bowl game so that's a 50 50 game for me yeah i I agree uh i think that i think the arizona school is uh, your best chance to take one away is from an arizona school i would say i I personally would like to say arizona uh arizona state excuse me because i think losing jalen strong is is a pretty huge deal and i think arizona actually is reloading a lot more talent than Arizona State is. I don't think Berkovici is better than Taylor Kelly. Uh, you know, that's obviously the subject for debate, but it's just my personal perception. But the uh, intangible is that Arizona is coming to uh, Boulder to play, and I think that that's going to be huge, especially considering the fact that uh, it's going to be uh, the really second home game that or uh, that Colorado is going to have in the non-conference schedule after Oregon and Arizona while they are returning a lot of talent they're returning Scooby Wright who in my opinion is the best defensive player in the country right also now the best name in the country oh yeah Scooby Scooby, I mean, Scooby. Yeah, do, you know we, do you know we used that last year we were doing highlights for sports mag and did we well well we had we had that uh that Nelson Spruce reverse pass touchdown to Cepho oh that was cool and so we cheesily wrote Nelson Spruce makes Scooby say Rutro. Yeah, we're lame. Anyway, that's why, Arizona, we're the, that's why we're the best. Yeah, Arizona returns Scooby Wright. They return Nick Wilson. They return starting quarterback from last year in New Solomon. They generally are just a, a very good, very strong team. I think that they'll be better than Arizona State, but you have a much better chance of winning at home uh, than you do down in Tempe. And uh, so I think that one of the Arizona schools will probably be the best. I will give us. 
I, I would almost say about even 65% uh, to beat uh, either Arizona school. Oregon, as I said, the chances would have been better if Vernon Adams hadn't come in so quick and been the starting quarterback. 15 days in, and he's a starter. They obviously see something in him. He was the best quarterback in the FCS last year with Eastern Washington. Knocked off two teams last year. That I'm pretty were sure they it. won the Division Two championship, didn't they? I bl- I'm, no, I'm sorry, the FCS no, championship. Was, I think they were the FCS champion, but he also performed unbelievably well against Pac-12 opponents, so it's not going to be something new to the kid. Um, and So Oregon, I think, is... Uh, the, the chances are slightly down. Uh, Stanford, Stanford's always Stanford. They are always a team. David Shaw is a great coach, and I er, and I think that no matter what, they'll always uh, they'll always be good. The, the, there's never going to be any problem with them. Uh, UCLA returns as a host of talent again. USC is USC, and that's just what they've been. That's how good they have been this entire year. So. It's uh, it comes down to the Arizona schools. I think Utah. The, there is a possibility to beat uh, Utah, and I think that you know you could probably take out Oregon State and you could take out Washington State. Thirteen games is actually working wonders for Coach Mack here. Everyone who said that it was going to be a tough conference schedule, I agree in some way, but. I think that uh, everyone got a little uh, too hung up on on numbers and ranks. I think that there's a lot of very beatable opponents on here. I think at the most, you knock out four teams and you win eight games this season. I think that's that's doable. And half of me, depending on how these first couple games look, if they really look the part, I would say that with confidence they could be an eight-win football team this year. You know what I like a lot, and this is actually one of the first times in school history this is the case. Colorado has no bye weeks. Uh, yeah. Pending, and, and that pending by, weather. By design. Colorado pending weather. <laughs> pending weather. Colorado will play their entire schedule week, 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 week. There are no buys, and I love that because I felt like, you know, two years ago with the floods, um, obviously that's nothing you can control, but with the bye weeks that were built in, I felt like there were times where Colorado had momentum coming off of a loss, and it just got eaten in a bye week. And, you know, you just when you're not playing the game and you're just practice, we're talking yeah. about practice, uh, talking not about the practice. game, the practice, game. practice, it, it, it takes the wind out of your sails. Yeah. And I think, you know, when you know you have a game on Saturday and you had a game last Saturday, you got a little bit more heading into it because you talk yeah. to players, yeah. any sport, when there are days off and you have a week where, you know, you're you don't have a goal at the end of the week. It's hard to stay motivated. Mm-hmm. And that's why that's where the special players like a guy like Tim Tebow, who is he's motivated. <laughs> Stop every day when Stop he wakes that. up, dude. He's, he's gonna, dude, he's gonna make the this. Philadelphia don't Eagles. Do I don't like no, Tim Tebow, stop. and you know that. You I, know that. I know you do. And what do you think of? Sorry, real quick no, aside. No, what do you no, think of no, him being named? Not, no, we're not. You don't want to talk him. about this it. Not first all right, take. all right, this sorry, is not first all right, sorry, Stephen A. To mention on this show, never, never again. Fine. As for the thirteen-week argument, the only the only problem I could possibly see with that is the fact that injuries can happen. Injuries compound, and people. Uh, you know, have to step into certain things. And if you look at how utterly decimated the defense got last year between losing Marcus Mosley, Tedrick Thompson, Addison, I mean, they were totally obliterated by by week 10. Um, that's where the 13 week can hurt you a lot because you really just don't know who's going to get hurt. Knocking on wood that nobody does. But if something like that happens, you don't have a bye week to be able to get them to recoup. You're going to have to throw somebody else in there. So 
it works and it doesn't. I personally am with you. I really like it. I think that it gives CU the best chance to succeed, and I think it gives them uh, the best chance to really see what a grueling schedule uh, uh, this is. And if they win games, if they do well, I think it's sort of Coach Mack banking on momentum here. And I would, too. Well, I mean, that's the type of team this is. Exactly, this is going to be exactly. a hot team. Yep, I, I agree. And I, I think I think that, uh, that the Oregon game is going to be a pretty important piece, uh, mainly because if it's a really heavy blowout and they walk in 4-0, it might take wind out of sails. But if they play them well enough, keep the momentum going all the way through. You do. And I think that throughout the season uh, there will be momentum, and a lot of that's contingent on fans and how well uh, the fans go and how much they, how, how heavily in droves they come out. Um, so it's it, it really comes down to to momentum. It comes down to that 4-0 start, and I, I really I can't stress that enough. It needs, if we want the season to be what, it, what we hope it will be, it has to be 4-0, and I'll say seven uh, for the season right now, but if they convincingly win games one and two and then come into Colorado State in the same way, I'll, I'll push it to – I don't even want to push it. To well, we'll talk about it when yeah. it happens. Exactly. You're tuned if, to if ra- they push it to two, sorry. I don't you're, you're good. If you're they good. push it to two, I will say that eight games is, is where this team lies. As of now, because we haven't seen them yet, seven assuming no typhoon derails anything. You're tuning to Radio 1190, KVCU Boulder, the AM Revolution. Friday Night Live, Joe Paris and Andrew Hopner here with you. Commercial-free radio for anyone that is unfamiliar with us. We don't have any commercials ever. Um, all buffs. All, all buffs all the time. <laughs> for those of you asking about uh, a replay of tonight's uh, first hour, the 6 to 7 hour where we had Eric Hardenberg from the uh, Pac-12 as well as Athletic Director Rick George, it will be on uh, tomorrow. Uh, you can go online to uh, Sound cloud.com slash radio dash 1190 and we'll have the entire program there for you uh we will both be tweeting it out so don't uh don't worry but you do got to follow us on twitter so find <laughs> us on twitter at joe paris and at andrew or sorry a underscore g underscore hopner for that it is 735 right now we're gonna go the distance here we're gonna go the two hours of fury um oh yeah this is this is this is great. Mike, Mike and Mike do this for like four hours from six to ten, and I gotta say, I listen to them on the uh, in the morning when I when I was going to work when I was working in the summer. I, I was listening to them every morning, and you know, people have their own opinions of Mike and Mike, uh, whether or not they like them. That's not an opinion that you know I, I really care to share. I, I think they're okay for what they are. They're a morning drive, and if you're expecting yep. really heavy. You know, sports-centric talk and not really these warmed overtakes. You kind of come to the wrong place because it's a morning drive show. Um, but the point that I'm trying to make about Mike and Mike is it's 6 a.m. to 10, five days a week. I mean, oh God. that is a grind. That's an unbelievable, unbelievable grind. And, you know, we come out and we're, we're an hour and a half in and, and we're, still, we're still rolling, feeling good. But could you imagine if there was another two and a half hours after this? We've been struggling. I've done it before. Yeah. There was a few times during the summer where I did uh, 4 p.m. till 8 p.m. Ooh, that's a good one. That was tough. I had to start going cold. It was also, half of it was music and half of it was yeah. 
news and sports and yeah. stuff. But we'll keep it with the buffs here. We will. We love, uh, we love the buffs. You're tuned into Friday Night Live. Joe and Andrew here with you. If you have any questions, any comments, please feel free to email them in. Joe at Radio1190.org. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's going to be an exciting year for the University of Colorado sports and here on campus. Of course, if you're not familiar, the University of Colorado Journalism School has now uh, been rebranded. It's now been remade. It's now CMCI, and there's a lot of cool things coming from University of Colorado Media and you know things like this show and CU Sports Mag which is the if you're not familiar the University of Colorado puts on a uh, sports center-esque 30-minute show every Friday where we have pretty exclusive content and I think if you're a Buffs fan you really want to tune in on Friday nights of this show you really want to tune in to CU Sports Mag because there are some things that we have access to and honestly there's some things that we care about that other media organizations Mm -hmm. just simply don't yeah and and uh the thing is is uh you know for for you heavy buff fans out there, you know we read your tweets. Uh, we go through Facebook. We read all buffs. You know, you know we we keep ourselves kind of. Uh, we make sure that we're cognizant of, of what the general uh, opinion is. And and you know in the past, uh, and, and I've you know I've been a part of this too. Um, in the past, there's you know been issues of professionalism and and issues of of people. You know, saying inflammatory things or, or hot takes for the sake of hot takes, and and you know this year with the way the school is and the people that are kind of back on top of things, um, you know we we really aim to to give you the the type of, of shows and the type of, of stories that you guys have heard tonight, and hopefully you know you've been enjoying it, and you can expect a lot a lot more from that in the future. So we'll. We'll take a break from that for a minute. We're going to actually give you some updates from yes, Colorado Sports. Let's do some sport, yeah. women's volleyball updates. Yeah. Uh, of course, when Rick George called in to our program, he was actually uh, he was at the game. And if He's you're not so familiar, cool. He's so cool. He is such a good guy. He's we so saw him cool. in the Okay, we'll be honest. We saw him in the office this afternoon. We said, oh, we're excited to have you on tonight. He goes, <laughs> oh, my God. Really? We did, we did an interview with you last week. Oh, what we already did about? that. Oh, um, Real quickly, though. Let's Joe, talk. Joe's eyes got wide and was like, what did you do, said, Andrew? What did you like, do to him? <laughs> Yeah. Um, <laughs> University of Colorado Volleyball, if you're not familiar, is a top 25 team in the country. And, uh, again, we're one of the only media organizations that sat in on the volleyball part of uh, of what was going on. Now, right now, uh, San Diego is ahead 25-21 and uh, has taken the second set in Boulder. But the team as a whole is going to be really fun to watch. And if, mm-hmm. if volleyball is something that you've never gone and seen live, it is a lot of fun. because. It's a lot of fun. Fun. Oh, my fun. goodness. Now, I'll be honest. When you watch some things on TV, and I think hockey is the big one, it's not as exciting. I think when people go see a hockey game live, they're hooked. And I think baseball. it's the same. Th- baseball. Baseball's huge. Well, they can drink as much beer as they want at Coors Field. And, That's true. Uh, anyways, but volleyball is a really fun uh, sport to watch. And you got to go see it. And if you're a student, guess what? Part of uh, being a student here, you get to go for free. Mm-hmm. And if you're a community member, I know tickets are very affordable. And this is a team that last year, you know, made a run into the NCAA uh, tournament. They lost on the last point of the game. And it was heartbreaking. Yeah. And it was. it's important to note that they, they went up in the second round and they ended up playing CSU, who is a really, really elite volleyball program. They needed one point to win. Uh, they didn't get that point. CSU swung three points and ended up winning that set, winning the entire match. And I talked to Nicole Edelman, uh, who's a senior now, and Coach Liz Kritzen. And the one thing that they said was, that's the motivation. That's all we care about, that one point. That's what, what we want to do. We want to use that 
to go ahead because the program has been built from a program that really was not good three or four years ago to a spot where it is kind of at national prominence again. It's developed a reputation for knocking out top five teams when they come to cores. So volleyball, I, I, I'm very, very impressed with with volleyball and, and how they've been and the things that they've done. Uh, as I have with all the CU sports in general, I mean, women's soccer has done some pretty impressive things too. They've, they've really done a lot of great work um, in building their team. Head coach Danny Sanchez went from uh, Wyoming to Metro State to Colorado, and Colorado's been great. They made the tournament the past two years. Uh, they're losing to BYU right now 2 nothing. but the uh, pretty hilarious irony um, was that uh, – BYU in the last two years has some pretty extra added motivation from this because uh, they actually ended up losing to CU the last two years in the opening round of the tournament. So they uh, clearly have come out with a chip on on their shoulder um, this half, and uh, it's all of CU sports. As we said earlier, it's not just football. It's not just basketball. Those are great. They're the revenue drivers. They drive attendance. We love them. I mean, look, you won't find a bigger football or basketball fan than I, but the other sports deserve a lot of really good attention. Um, you know, like Drake dissing Meek Mill, you know, they went, were charged up three years ago, then they went back to back looking for the three-peat. And, uh, it's my favorite song. Really, I, I think it was Because I'm a big Toronto Blue Jays fan. Oh, really? So, yeah, yeah I don't love rap, <laughs> but when there's a rap song about my favorite team, yeah. oh, I'm, and again, yeah. if you're a new listener to the show, I'm a big Toronto sports fan. Yeah. Um, but uh, back to CU Sports. And a really cool storyline, and I think this is a personal interest storyline with CU Volleyball that the community should be able to buy into. Your girl, Nicole Edelman, who played, uh, I believe, four years at Fairview High School, she's a senior now. And talking to Nicole at Media Day, she says, I want to win. You know, she had a lot of offers to go play outside of Boulder. And the yeah. truth is, she said, I just couldn't leave Boulder. This is my home. I want to win here. I want to build a program here. And through three years, that's what she's done. And she comes into her senior year, and Nicole is a really likable gal. She's really nice. She's a very talented player as well. She's really tall, too. She's six feet tall, of course. Um, but Nicole is your girl. And I think if you want to get into a sport, and maybe maybe you're disappointed in football and basketball. Maybe you're looking for something new. Go watch women's volleyball. It's exciting. It's There's a lot of action. It's really easy to follow. And there's a really good personal interest story here. Your girl, Nicole Edelman, from Boulder, from Fairview, is one of the stars of the team. And she wants you there. She wants all of us there. She wants her family, her friends, her supporters from Boulder there. Mm -hmm. And guess what? Volleyball to me is, I mean, it's so underrated. And until, and I'll be, I'll be honest. My freshman year, I didn't go near it. But when I was put on an assignment, and I, I'll be honest, I was put on assignment to go to volleyball. My goodness, I had a blast. Yeah. No. Here's the thing. Uh, it's there's very few sports that that get you hyped the way volleyball does. Um, when you are. At a t or at twenty to twenty in the third set, and it's tied one one, and you know one that that you're going to get that chance to to win based off that point because it's so momentum driven. You're holding your breath to the serve, and then you are going nuts when the actual uh, when the bump sets and spikes start to go, and it's it's really 
amazing. It really is. I, I love I love watching volleyball. You know, most of the time I'll just go because I enjoy it. And it's funny that you mentioned Nicole Edelman being six foot. When I talked to her about a week ago, she she said that the recruiting has gotten to a point where it's so elite that she came in as one of the tallest players on the team, and now she's one of the shortest because the level of recruiting is now not getting kids that are six foot. It's getting girls that are six two, six three, six four. And you look at it the same with football. You look at our football players from four years back compared to the guys that are being recruited now, and they are big. They're big guys. They look like they're athletes. Um, you know, they're they're not college students. They look like they're big, big boys. And it's and if you, I don't know if you've seen Keenan Gazanich on the basketball team around. But oh yeah, she's hard to miss. He, no, sorry, he's he, hard to miss. Sorry, he's he's big. He's Freaking huge! <laughs> Sorry, I don't know. Why I said, we're talking volleyball. I said yeah. he's a heat. Now we're pivoting. We're pivoting all over things. This is a game of pinball right now. How about our cross country team, huh? I, They're very it, quietly, like the powerhouse. Well, you know it's interesting. Uh, Mark Wetmore, and this is a testament to how good the team is. Mark Wetmore actually is out at World Championships right now uh, with former. Uh, CU Buffs with Emma Coburn and um, a couple others. And for those of you that don't know, Coburn is a Team USA runner. She competed in the steeplechase uh, at the London 2012 Olympics, and she was in the top 10 there. Um, and it was a really, really great uh, time. I mean, it was great to see her succeed, but it also is a testament to how good the program is as a whole that Wetmore is there out at world championships with former athletes that are just doing a lot of really good things. And the team returns a ton of players. They return a ton of talent. Um, I think they said that there are seniors on this team now that have never not been on a podium at an NCAA That's ridiculous. They went third, first, and first for the men. So they don't know what it's like to not do well. That, that's what I'm talking about with expectation for football and setting standards. Cross country, their standard is set. It's we have never not been at the championships and competing for titles. It's never happened, so we're not going to start now. And that's what the expectation is. It is amazing. I, I love it. And the girls have done well. The girls were uh, in ninth last year, and they ha- are returning a ton of talent. They're also going to be really, really loaded coming into this year. They need to compete at the Pac-12 championships before they put their eyes uh, on nationals. But the idea that they have uh, of w- what they want to do is they really um, they really want to compete at the Pac-12 championship. I think they'll be able to do that. Cross-country, without a doubt, is the, one of the most successful teams here aside from skiing. And I think that it's kind of tough to watch, but uh, just because of the length and you know you're kind of just hanging at the finish line but it's one of those uh, sports that when it gets to the Pac-12 championship you, you know you should be out supporting and at least kind of know what's going on with the team they really deserve a lot of respect and a lot of recognition for the things that, they, that they've done uh, I believe uh, if if stats serve me right they are the only or one of the only teams uh, in CU his history that has won a national championship back-to-back because we're doing it back to back, da, 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 da. <laughs> back to back. Oh man! Well, you're tuned into Radio 1190 KVC Boulder, 7:48. We're getting ready to wrap things up here. Of course, football is going to kick off at Hawaii on Thursday, 11 p.m. local time game. Uh, I'll be in my PJs. I think I'll have a warm glass of milk and some cookies to enjoy that one. I really, think I'm going to be in the newsroom for that. You're going to be in the newsroom. Oh, for well, that? I think I think what we've done at, at CUI is our our whole thing is we're gonna we're gonna update and write from the newsroom, but. 
but we're gonna make you know we're gonna make an event out of it. We're gonna order some pizza and have, you know have people hang out. Put the if you have pizza, I'll be there. Yeah, all right, good. In your PJs? Sure. Good. Well, my PJs might not be appropriate. <laughs> what is it, Cartman? No. Oh. Uh, you know what? Forget it. This is this is FCC regulator radio. I don't want to hear it, dude. If you want to come back at ten, we can talk about real things. Oh, did you know really? that after ten? Yeah, after ten, the rules change for the FCC. That's really interesting. Yeah, I, I didn't know that at all. Actually, That's we don't really surprising. we don't really talk about that around here much because we don't really want kids knowing that. Well, really, you'd have you'd have a couple uh, wannabe Howard Stearns coming on doing all sorts of inflammatory. You know what's stuff funny? <laughs> we had a kid. We had a kid come up to us during student involvement fair that said he you know he idolized Howard Stern and he wanted to I would, Howard he Stern. wanted to do he wanted to be Howard Stern and I I asked the kid I said you know how he started. He said, uh, no. He was just a top 40 DJ. Yeah. Howard Stern, I, I think that, you know, this is kind of getting away from CU, but just Nothing random, to do with CU. Well, it's just a random aside, <laughs> I think. Uh, Howard Stern uh, really put himself on the radio map because he was the first guy to jump into satellite radio. And he makes the money he makes because he essentially created satellite radio to be this go-to for people for people to want to go, you know, Chris Russo from Mike and the, you know, Mad Dog Russo from Mike and the Mad Dog. He went over to Satellite because Howard Stern set this standard for it. And, uh, you know, I wish that there was more uh, people that were on that were on Satellite because there's just not enough, in my opinion, that people talk about. And when, when you look at when you look at radio, uh, the the blessing and curse of the Boulder Denver area is that it's so sports saturated oh, that God. terrestrial radio doesn't really have enough time for the college uh, for the college athletics and CU in particular. Um, you know, it's nice to cover when they're doing well, but it, it's it's really a shame. Um, the TV stations do a good job of it. Nine News, CBS Four, you know they do good jobs of coming up and covering. You know you see Eric Christensen, CU alum, come up quite a bit. Aaron, Aaron Mattis, Josh Moser, they've they've been. Josh up. is gone. Yeah, well, really? Josh covers the Green Bay Packers now for Fox in Wisconsin. Really? I yeah, he moved. That. Well, Aaron is pretty yeah, consistently around. They have I mean, a new always, gal too who does it too. Yeah. I can't remember her name. But the point is, is that they 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 give it some love. I mean, radio doesn't really uh, uh, give it the love, which is kind of unfortunate, but I see the logic behind it. Yeah. You know, what is your what do people want to hear in Colorado? They want to hear the Broncos. And that's just, you know, how it is. I would imagine that it was nothing but Rocktober coverage, uh, you know, back in 2007 yeah, back was in 07. ridiculous. Yeah. So it's just uh, that's just kind of the way it happens, but it is what it is. We're here talking buff sports, so yes. I guess we uh, we actually have it sort of good. It gives us the ability to do it. We and we love you know we love our audience. And if you're new if you're new to Radio 1190, and I understand there's a lot of people that are tuning in tonight to hear Rick George, and maybe this is your oh he's he's not he's gone. You're not going to hear him now. <laughs> he, we already had him on. But you know if you've never listened to Radio 1190 News and Sports, um, we're on three times a week, and we're I mean we broadcast for you. We broadcast for the Boulder people. Uh, you know, we've got a lot of specialty shows coming up this year. And, uh, you know, of course, tonight was a really good way to kick it off. And we yeah, really, really want you to way. join us. We, we're very accessible, of course. You know, the AM radio, if you have one, great. But we have an iPhone app. Go on radio – or excuse me, go on iTunes App Store. Search Radio 1190 KVCU. We have a really uh, brand-new app. I'm sure a lot of you are uh, on our brand-new website. And we, we live stream it. We live stream. Uh, we've also got a really – you know, Radio 1190, the last five, six years, uh, we had a reputation of – 
playing independent music that was too independent. And I think the last two, three years, uh, we've done a really good job to really come back. And, you know, we do play independent music, but uh, it's a lot of stuff that you would say, who is this? And you say, you've never heard of these guys. They're good. We we were playing Mumford & Sons before they were big. So, you know, if you want to hear so the stars of so the stars of tomorrow. You, I don't think you could have made a more hipster comment if you tried right there. I could. We were, well, it's like the hipster. Do you want me to? I, no, I don't. <laughs> I really don't. I wasn't a hipster when I got here. I know you now, were. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not now either. I'm just a weird kid from from wherever I'm from. But, uh, Cherry Creek. Cherry Creek. Yeah, I went to Cherry Creek High School. But um, <laughs> really, you know, we really invite you guys to be a part of this broadcast. We're, we, don't, we don't try to kid ourselves. We're not 850K away. We don't have a lot of red tape around us. We can do things they can't. So we invite you to suggest guests, ask questions, let us know if we suck nicely. <laughs> Yeah. Don't well, don't tell me don't tell me that we're just terrible without feedback. You know, well, you know if you don't like something we do, tell us why. Well, look here's here's what it comes down to, and I think this is a lot of people's general uh, critique of journalism these days is that, you know, th- there's not enough of a dialogue between what people want to hear and what people put on. And uh, the nice thing that we as students uh, are able to do is, you know, we can hear what you guys are saying, and we're not constrained by a rating, we're not constrained by a, a bottom line. We can adjust accordingly, and you know. You guys are the listeners. We we want to hear from you. We want to hear who you guys want. We want to hear what you guys want to hear about, and and we want to hear the people that you would like to hear them from. Um, it, it it really is kind of a, a new age for, for journalism, for us, for CU in that way, and the same way that the athletic department is growing and the way we love to gush about it. You know, we've done a bit of it tonight, but we, we like to gush about the direction of the school as well and where everything is going on that end, because it really is exciting uh, to see where the school is going, despite the $60,000 tuitions, which, you know, I guess it's money well spent, right, Joe? <laughs> Sure. Yeah. We'll see if we get a bowl <laughs> game, right? Yeah. We're the new age outlaws here on Radio 1190 KVCU Boulder. Um, all right, 7.55. Last five minutes of the show, we usually just go off mm. a tangent. Um, we kind of have been. We've though. really, yeah, I mean, it's we've done, I mean, I'll be honest, Andrew, we've done a really good job here through two hours. Um, oh, I'm wiped. Are you wiped? <laughs> well, trust me, during the summer, there was nobody here. I was doing oh, radio God. all Honors, all week oh, by myself. Jeez, I couldn't imagine. Oh, I felt like a crazy person sitting in the room talking to myself for <laughs> hours a week. It was it was interesting. But, of course, CU Buff football will kick off on Thursday. Uh, women's volleyball already underway. Basketball just around the corner. Uh, uh, man, I man, I saw Xavier Johnson today on campus, and it just made me so sad to see him. Is like, he where? What's he at? Is he in a boot now, or, or what's his? Honestly, he wasn't wearing a boot. He was just wearing a tennis shoe. Interesting. You know, it was a it was a foot thing, so I don't know. Yeah, it was Achilles tendon. Yeah, I don't know if what you do. I know if he's going to have surgery yet for it. I haven't. I don't remember uh, if I read that yet. But mm-hmm. I think this is going to be an interesting basketball season too. Um, yeah. It's all right. I think it's going to be fun. Uh, and the question is, hey, do, Dan, we, do we read the boards? Yeah, we read the boards. We're Dan, j- don't worry about it. We're just, we're just messing with you. We're just you. messing. <laughs> we got excited. We don't yeah. usually – we don't usually uh, – well, we, don't, we don't usually have, uh, have the All Buffs community, uh, you know, tuning into the show. And, and we wanted to make sure that we were hearing you guys kind of live as it, as it went and, and making sure that what you guys were saying is, uh, is, is talked about and, and that, you know, a dialogue can kind of be created. So – you don't need to worry about it. We we just kind of threw it up there as a, as a little fun. So, uh, you know, we love having you guys uh, of post. And, and from you guys on Twitter, Facebook, uh, 
Tumblr, I don't know, whatever other no, social we're not media, on Tumblr. whatever, whatever we're social on media platform on that we're Twitter. on and are with. Um, you know, we love hearing from you guys. It's this is this is what it should be. You know, this is it's it's talk radio from the two of us, but it's also you know talking to you guys about what's going on. So uh, we hope we were at least able to do that a little bit tonight. The Pac-12 uh, that sales arm has been created. It is kind of in these initial stages of of working through. Um, uh, working through these things, if you guys didn't hear us earlier uh, when we had Eric Hardenberg and Rick George on, uh, Colorado kind of going to take a wait-and-see approach on how this will all work. UCLA opted not to join. They opted to re-up with IMG College. They tripled their deal. So if Colorado can kind of follow along that path, they either have the potential to join a very lucrative sales arm with the Pac-12, or they could really get a lot more money out of their next multimedia rights deal uh, with Learfield, which expires in 2018-19. So a lot of good things coming down the pipeline for Colorado. Um, There's going to be uh, an extension uh, as far as uh, television rights. Uh, you know, you guys know that the Pac-12 is going uh, with ESPN and Fox. They've been this way for a couple years now, and they're going through the 2021-2022 season. Yes, um, and it's going to be it's going to be real interesting next few years. And especially um, the way everyone talked, to the way uh, Mr. Hardenberg talked from corporate HQ, talking about how excited they are about AT&T's acquisition of DirecTV's. Things sound very, very positive on that end. And if that happens, then the Pac-12 network finally has the distribution akin to the Big Ten network and to the SEC network. So it'll be uh, it'll be fun. I I'm, I'm really excited for the way the the Pac-12 the Pac-12 goes, and uh, it's going to be good. It's going to be a good year, Joe. I'm excited for everything. It is. And to cap off the show, I do have a very exciting announcement. We did announce it earlier this week, but I'll rehash. Uh, we have actually signed a deal with the athletic department this year, and really uh, the bottom line, the thing that you guys want to know is we're going to have tickets to every single uh, University of Colorado mm-hmm. home game, and I'll tell you, they're good tickets too. I mean, the tickets we get here are very good tickets. They've been very generous to us at the athletic department. So we'll have tickets to, of course, all the home games, including the game down at Mile High Stadium, Colorado versus Colorado State. Um, so make sure to tune in on Friday nights. Um, we're, actually, I'll be honest with you. We probably won't be giving most of the tickets away on Friday night, seeing as the games are on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, on Friday nights, well, maybe, I don't know. We'll figure it out. But make sure to tune in Monday, Wednesday, Friday. It's Radio 1190, KVC Boulder Ron from 6 to 7 Monday and Wednesday. And Friday, they they let us they let us out of the cage a little more. They they let me they let me go. Our, our buffs day is Friday. The buffs day is yeah, Friday. Monday Wednesday is a lot of news and, and and local happenings around Boulder. But Friday is our our buff day. Yes, but if yes. you want to hear, hey, if you're a Boulder person and you want to hear what's going on, and maybe you don't want to read the daily camera, we'll read it to you. Um, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, six to uh, six to seven Monday and Wednesday, you get all your uh, your Boulder news and Sit notes for an hour with an open paper. Yeah, that'd be really <laughs> funny if we just read it page you know page to page. But. Start reading like non sequitur comics to people. Yes, but this panel. Here's this panel. Oh wait, I got the panels wrong. All right, let's start over. So, anyways, Radio 1190 KVC Boulder. Keep the conversation going on Twitter. You can find the station at Radio 1190. Uh, Excuse me. You can find Andrew at a underscore g underscore Hobner. You can find myself at Joe Paris. If for whatever reason you're not on Twitter, uh, send me an email. J O E at Radio 1190 dot org. Someone asked me earlier this year, do I answer my own emails? I do answer my own emails. So uh, please send them to me. And, uh, you know, in between the amount, somebody, somebody put my uh, email address uh, on a website that it shouldn't have been on. Nice. So I get a lot of emails for, like, Viagra and Cialis. So please.
please help me help me uh, disperse that. You know, it's unbelievable. Nice. All of our emails, all of the Radio 1190 managers, someone took all of our emails and sold them. I think because wow. we all get really we all get you know, the same weird emails. Well, you know, just a funny aside about this. Um, Dwayne Lindbergh, who works for the Pac-12, uh, he's one of the uh, I think he's a communications VP or very high up. He he had an, his email account got hacked. And he sent it to literally everybody from freelance to corporate all the way out. And I opened it thinking, oh, this might be some important thing from the Pac-12. And then he sends another follow-up email like, don't open that. It was a virus. Oh, God. And I was like, ah, oh, damn it. <laughs> oh, well. So, All right. Well, that's all we got. Uh, you're tuned in to Radio 1190 KBC Boulder. We're going to go away. But, again, thanks for making it a great hour here on the AM Revolution. Uh, again, we're a top five radio station in the college sphere, so uh, we, we, we want to really earn that. So uh, make sure you can help us make this a great place. We're going to leave you. But uh, we'll be back. You're tuned in to Radio 1190 KBC Boulder. Monday we're back. Uh, next week, I th- well, it's, no, it's in two weeks. Just kidding. Yeah. Uh, well, Here's something really cool. If you're a professional wrestling fan, we have a we have a deal with the professional wrestling organization. So uh, if you're a pro wrestling fan, we, we can hook it up there, too. Alongside Andrew, I'm Joe. This is Radio 1190 KVC Boulder. Thanks for tuning in. Let's go, Buffs. Let's go, Buffs. It's going to be a fun year. Here's some living color. You're tuning in to Radio 1190 KVC Boulder. I know your dream.